Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And we're here on Corellian Family Hour tonight, and we're waiting for everybody to call in. There was a small technical glitch, and we're going to start with Belladonna and all our festival pieces. We're asking you to guys call in tonight at 347-308-8222, and uh, we hope that you will all join us shortly uh, in this great festival piece. And we will be listening to and Belladonna and Dusty in a great show. We're expecting, and so we're very, very excited tonight. We're just waiting for everybody to call in to 347-308-8222. And, and with that, uh, but we hope that you're all enjoying this beautiful weather wherever you're at. And it may not be beautiful wherever you're at, but it certainly is something to consider. So we're just hoping that everybody joins us at 347-308-8222. And calling in tonight. And we're going to start with a little dance in the fire because it's festival season by author in. There is a flame within the dark that burns a thousand different times that shines a thousand different tongues and sings a thousand different rhymes. There is a flame. There is In the fire, if the eye will feel you, let light inspire. They pray to silence, sing of desire.
are the spark divine in work that plucks the very infinite strings that makes existence here and now and into life with magic sings you are the spark you are the spark stand in the moment Dance in the fire, let the hours fill you, let light inspire, embrace the silence, sing our desire, stand in the moment, dance in the fire, stand in the moment, dance in the fire, let the hours fill you, let light inspire. Embrace the silence, sing our desire, stand in the moment, dance in the fire, dance in the fire, stand in the moment, dance in the fire. everybody doing it. The show is the Corellian Family Hour, and we will hand this over to its regular crew. Take it, Reverend Don. Reverend Lori, are you there? We're Hello. Here. And this is Reverend Don Lewis. Take it away. From beautiful Florida. And um, with me is... Hi, everyone. Reverend Lori B. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And uh, welcome to the Corellian Family Hour. We've been gone for a while, if you can't tell. And uh, we're back. And um, <laughs> tonight we, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, travel and festivals and uh, following Corellian. Um, following our first hour, we'll be having the, the, the Super Festival Special. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And your guest uh, is with for you. me, and your guest is with you. Very good. Uh, and uh, tonight we are we are joined by uh, the Archpriestess Belladonna Laveau. Hello, hello. Hey. Hey, Hi. Hey. Hey. How are hello. you doing? How are you? I am fantastic. I'm at Pagan Unity Festival in Burnsville, Tennessee. Just Burns. Burns, Tennessee. Oh, thank you. Dusty's with me. I'm sorry to crash sure. the party. I Hi, just Dusty. Love you guys. No, you're always welcome. It was <laughs> a, a together invitation. <laughs> yeah, and so we, we've had a wonderful day. The weather's beautiful. The, yeah, the southern hospitality, you know, there's just so many wonderful people in the south that we're getting to reconnect with old family and Janet. Uh, Farah and Gavin Bone are here, and Alfred Willowhawk and Willow Wellspring is here. And, of course, Tish always puts on a beautiful event. There's also Suge, and she's traveling with the Three Muses this time. Ginger. Ginger oh, Dog. fantastic. Betsy Ro- What's Betsy's last name? Betsy Rogers? I don't remember her last name for sure. Uh, but anyway, they're fantastic. 
It's, it's a beautiful weekend. Yeah. How are you doing? How's Florida? We still here? Did we lose Lord Don? Oh. No, oh. I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I might have missed something, you know, however. I'm, I said, how's Florida? Because I'm coming to Florida next. Oh. I'm going to Jacksonville. Yeah. I'm yes, we can't wait. Student, and I'm going to get to go to Moccasin Slough. I'm going to hook up with Lori and do a blessing on the Chosen Path Temple that she's opening. Oh, then wonderful. I'm going down. I know, I'm so excited. I love my Corellian <laughs> family. And then I'm going to go down to West Palm Beach, and then we we may end up going to Tallahassee. We've just been invited to go to Tallahassee. Ah. We're seeing if we can fit it into our schedule or not. That's so, fantastic. Cool. So can you let everybody know exactly what it is that you're doing and why you've been traveling since April 22nd? So we're doing the World Love Tour, and um, it is a Demeter's Garden Ritual. Demeter came to me this year. I was her vessel at Spring Mysteries Festival, Spring Mysteries Festival. SpringMysteries.com if you want to check that out. And she had some really powerful lessons for her children about what they can do to make a difference in their life and on the planet today. And she really wanted me to go around and share her message with everybody, and that is what we're doing. We've had, oh, I think we've got like 20, 30 stops planned between – April 15th and July 1st, and we actually even have some in Seattle and Tacoma after we get back home. Everybody has been really hospitable. Her message has been needed, timely, and well-received. It's been a beautiful experience. The goddess of abundance, you know, the great mother provides. So we've had a great time. So if anybody is interested in seeing this and – Archpriestess Belladonna and Lord Dusty joined us at the Curly Illustration of the Ancestors a week and two weeks ago in North Carolina, and you can find that video on Magic TV. Lord Don, what was that listed under? Uh, That would be under uh, Curly Illustration uh, 2018. Let me see if I can pull up the exact URL. Crowley Illustration 2018 uh, slash Demeter Ritual. And if you um, if you just search for Demeter, you should find it. Wonderful. So our sunflowers are blooming beautifully. I sent you a picture today. I I've saw that. I've planted it into a larger pot. And I think we'll go one more pot size before putting it outside because we're having horrible weather. Oh, that is so exciting, Lori. I cannot wait to see that thing bloom out. I can't wait. Yay. Yes, and we will be traveling to Jacksonville to meet up with you next week. Oh, how exciting. Yes. We we can't wait until November to see our cousins again. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. It's a beautiful. We've been wearing our purple skulls with our um, with our robes. We love them. Fantastic. So Wonderful. So we tell them. Yeah. So, so 
So aside oh, from doing that's, that's World Love cool. Tour, you're also stopping at many other festivals along the way. Uh, apparently you're at the Pagan Unity Festival. Did you do a Demeter ritual there? We're doing Demeter's Garden tomorrow night for main ritual at 8.30. Beautiful. Yeah. And then we're go. We've got we're gonna be in St. Louis at the Pagan Picnic where mm-hmm. I, I always. Oh, so we get to see you again and again. Heck yeah! I get, I, that's when we first met Don. That's that's where we go to yeah. see Don. Yeah, yeah. And then Michigan Pagan Festival. We'll go to Three Gates Gathering in Missouri, and we're gonna get by oh. a few other affiliates. We're going so, by. So, Don, you're also speaking at Three Gates, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we'll be seeing a lot of each other. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, we get to bond. This is our bonding Fantastic. year. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going by several affiliates. We're going by Southern Delta Church of Wicca. Link, uh, Very cool. Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. And then in Memphis, we're going by the Fellowship of Avalon. Ooh. Excellent. Lots of stops, lots of fun. Oh, in Spokane, we're going by Crossroads of Hecate in Spokane as well. It could not have only been two weeks ago that we were seeing you. That blow, it, that, that, that blows my mind. It's been 19 days. <laughs> wow. wow. 19 so days was our last breakfast together. It was yeah. a good breakfast, too. It was really good to see you. Same yeah, here. We, uh, yes. we just took a crazy video with Gavin Bone explaining pressure points that affect the uterus and G spot. It has. He was like, I got sick at um at dinner because there was raw onion in something and I didn't know it and I. It gave me indigestion, so I was kind of moping around, and I was like, I can't be sick. i got a radio interview to do. I've got a seance to do at midnight. i got to feel better. And so he started working on a PowerPoint on my arm, and, you know, for some reason, I guess, he started talking about this other PowerPoint that's on your wrist that will um, stimulate the blood vessels around the G-spot and cause different reactions to different women at different times of the month. So we got, we got it all on video, and we're going to put it on my Patreon. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> we, we set up a Patreon for Belle. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Belladonna Laveau. If you want to help support Excellent. me while I'm doing this work. Yeah. People wonderful. were asking how they could help. So we thought if there was a Patreon, not only would they be able to help, but they would get VIP kind of content and different things. Like that's not the kind of stuff that happens every day. So kind of things can't put on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a paywall is a nifty thing to have. Yeah. Yes, it is. Keep, yeah. It's our first one. It's the first thing that we've ever worked on that's uh, just strictly kind of social content behind a paywall. Well, you know, heretofore I've been, I support myself on com. I read tarot cards online. 
So if you want to get a tarot mm-hmm. reading from me, just look up Belladonna Laveau, and my Keen account will come up, and you can call me and have my undivided attention for you know, $4 a minute. And it's and being the arch priestess, my income has gone down every year because I devote more and more time to service and helping people. And mm-hmm. I, and it's it's just it's really difficult to be interrupted with a tarot reading that might last two minutes or an hour while you're in a business meeting with sixteen staff members that are all also donating mm-hmm. their time. It's disrespectful. And I spend eight hours. Uh, a week just in meetings, not with the other things that I do, not teaching classes or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I've got to find it, it's a job. Way. I thought this would be a good way to help support because, you know, I don't draw a check from the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've, now we've gotten but all that out. People don't realize um how much work goes into running one of these organizations. No, they don't. And, uh, and it is a full-time job for yes. multiple people. It's not a full-time job for one person. Yeah, we have four right. full-time people at the, and working in the mother church just at the monastery. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, none of them get paid. And that's not to mention all of the people we have across the United States and in Seattle that work for the church. You guys know that, though. You do mm-hmm. the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we wonderful do. People. Yeah. You have wonderful people that I have made friendships with from your from getting to come out and uh, be at the illustration, and it's really cool. Fortunately, there's a Fortunately, there's a lot of people who get disability checks and stuff like that who donate their time. When when people tell me that they finally have gotten approved for disability, I'm like, oh, that's the goddess giving you a paycheck to serve. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, really, if you if you're getting that kind of an opportunity to not have to work, donating your time to make the world a better place is the thing to do. I think the time that you can, obviously. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You got disability check. <laughs> Get to work. No, <laughs> so, <laughs> no. so let me jump in here. Uh, I've been listening, and, and hi again. This is Ed. And uh, in the following oh, hour, we're going to be talking. I guess the author's going to call in from the Three Gates Festival, and other people will be calling in later this evening to talk about the festival. So, but I'm. One of the things I'm hearing about, you know, that you're not drawing money from the church, and I know Don and the same thing. So do you think that basically the way that you've got it set up is that you think you have a plan in place or an idea of how you're going to continue on? Because as we're heading towards the parliament, one of the big things that's happening is that there's a real question about how does Wicca maintain itself? How does our pagan faith maintain itself in the future and how we can be participants? Uh, in that if we don't have any resources. So I, I'm interested in your opinion on that. I'll let you guys get back to your show. Well, Ed, it's, it's a pleasure to get to talk to you. I didn't know I was going to get to. I'm glad you're here. Um, ATC had a ha, has a budget and an income that Pete set up that I I inherited. So I take care of the festivals 
Spring Mysteries Festival, Hakate Sickle Festival are the two festivals that used to exclusively support the church when Pete was in charge of it. Since I've became Archpriestess, I have taken a hint from the rock stars who have learned to diversify. <laughs> That's one of the things I learned about Eminem. The way he makes his money is he diversifies. And we we have a store that's very active online, and it makes an income, and it sells ATC um, merchandise and the school's merchandise, and it is about to absorb Spiral Scouts' merchandise. We're going to merge the Spiral Scouts store into Wiccan Cauldron. We have a school that makes an income from tuition that uh, helps support the church and fulfills a lot of its ministries. Spiral Scouts, of course, has its income from membership drives when the this, this children pay dues to Spiral Scouts to maintain the organization of Spiral Scouts. The school charges tuition. And is there another? Is there, is there anything else? Of course, donations. And then we get money from donations, people who believe in the work that we do and, and want to help make the world a better place together. They give money. I find that people usually either give money or they give their time, and they sometimes want to exchange that money for an energy. But we're, we managed to make it. We don't have a lot of money, but we managed to make it. So to hit on something that I heard you say, Ed, in Wicca and paganism across the board, we do not hold the ability to hold your soul over your head for your money. So, to make up for that shortcoming in our faith, <laughs> we, we have to actually offer people something of substance that they want, that they value. And so, I guess what the trick is, is to pinpoint in your communities what those things are and then offer them. Tried and true things are such things as, as Terry Riley will tell you, when I go build a wheelchair ramp, at an old woman's house for free, and her son comes up and says, I don't like that son of a bitch, Terry Riley. She'll say, no, no, Terry Riley came and built a ramp for me in my wheelchair when nobody else would. You be nice to him. And the world's run by grandmothers. <laughs> so, that was awesome. <laughs> so you have to find places. You have to find where the need is in your community. And you just have to keep showing love and doing things for people as well as – I don't just mean doing things for free either. You have to – you find things in your community that are uh, grants and that are donations from different corporations and stuff like that, and you help disseminate that stuff into the community. Yeah, like and hashtag then, still us for everyone. Yeah, and you just say very simply – there's a very simple sentence that can help you get money. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. It doesn't hold anything over anybody's head, and it doesn't uh, use negativity to do it. And that is very simply, if we have facilitated a spiritual experience for you here today, please consider donating. Because mm -hmm. almost guaranteed you facilitated a spiritual experience for them, and when they think of it like that, they say they. When we as people hear that and we have been uh, facilitated a spiritual experience, we know it. And that, 
And you, we don't mind giving And we don't money. mind giving back to that. Yeah. Now, you just gave me a really good idea there. I'm, I'm thinking, so if we can go around, we should go you know, set up a, a core of people who go around to various funerals and say, we have captured your loved one's hold, and in order for them to, be, to continue their journey, they need to pay us a donation. That's a wonderful <laughs> idea. I just think we should do that. Sorry, I'm, just, I'm being facetious. But that's actually, Unfortunately, <laughs> I think that one's taken. No, no, just get that big. We go in there, do a ritual around the body. We take go out. What are you doing? We're stealing the soul until you pay us some money, you know. I think it's like two cartels for us. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that was there good. you go. Uh, but no, you're right. I do think you're right that we do have to perform an often beyond service. I mean, that is, I think, one of the strongest things. Like the radio show presents one ministry that people really want to connect. Um, people doing festivals, I think, is another way to connect. So I do think. We do have to do a good job of connections. I think that's where it is. I think, um, I think Don does it now. Don, uh, now Don's gotten to be something you know. So very much uh, with Pete, uh, with Pete, uh, we use so casual names, but people really have to understand these are really important people. Uh, what we're doing, and uh, it's, it's actually uh, what, what would be his official title. I mean, how would you say Pete's official title? We use it so so shorthand, but. To honor the proper, what would be his full, his proper title at this point? Archpriest, priest, and primate. He he would be the what the he would call himself the supernal founder, Pete Pathfinder Davis. That is true. Perfect. <laughs> Use that exact word. Yeah, founder. He did have and, a gift um, for. I, I it, he did have a gift for. Yeah, yeah. So I want uh, uh, Don really quick. I want you to kind of mention because you've been doing this. Is now you're moving into that role more or less that Pete was when you were younger, and when a lot of other people were that Pete was like really setting up a lot of really good systems and teaching everybody. Now mm-hmm. you're finding yourself in that position, don't you? Now you're kind of feeling. I, I suppose Pete. we could say that. Yeah. Well, you know, when I, when I was younger, well, one, it was a very different community. But Pete was, was, throughout his life, one of the most practical of, of the leadership at a national and international level. And if you, wanted to, if you wanted advice that was going to work, as opposed to theories that were not going to work, Pete would be a good person to talk to. And um, I think that one of the things that um, – um, that that I I would say is is that I try try to take that same point of view and, and give advice that works, not just that sounds good. There are a lot of people in our community who will tell you how much they know and and how wise they are, and all this theory of how you should do something, but if you ask them what have you done, they've never done anything, and <laughs> their theories don't actually work. Um, I think part partly from influence. Um, of Pete himself, partly from other influences. I, I, I do try to stay focused on what actually works, what is practical, um, what has some track record, or if it doesn't have a track record, uh, at, at least to look at it in a very common sense way. Uh, because if you, if you don't bring practicality to what you're doing, 
and uh, and you don't ask the people who've been successful how they were successful, uh, you're probably not going to be successful. It's very important to 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 look at well again those things that actually work. Uh, I'm very well known, I think, in some circles for being strong, adam- adamantly opposed to consensus decision making. I think it's the stupidest idea anyone ever had. Uh, And I will put it just that way. But this doesn't mean I don't believe in consensus. Uh, Consensus is great. But consensus decision-making is where nothing can happen unless every single person agrees, which means nothing happens. Um, Right. I think you have to – it sounds wonderful if you're a young person who doesn't want to be told what to do by anyone. But if you're actually trying to do something, it's a disaster. Yeah. Um, I once worked with a, a very prominent lady who was herself very successful in what she did, but she tried to involve every person in her organization in every decision, which only gummed up the works because they didn't want to be involved with that. Like they wanted to help where they could help and were perfectly happy for her to take care of the details. And I think that when you're running an organization, when you're running a group, when, you, when you're just living you need to look at what what is sensible, not necessarily what sounds good, but does not really apply. So that's my match. Yeah, me too. <coughs> hey, listening to everybody and, uh, and figuring out a way to get everybody on board with what what the organization needs to do is a lot more important than getting everybody involved in the details. There's too many details, and it just stymies the whole situation. You're right. The ATC, the ATC is set up. We got incredibly lucky that Pete is able to be the legal uh, rock that he was. We have a soul Mm. corp, and a soul corp, we're grandfathered in. They don't even, you can't even get one anymore. But it Mm. makes it so that board of directors of one so because of that, we're set up like a real pagan church is supposed to be set up with the, either the high priest or the high priestess. Usually if you're, if you're hard guard or you're very traditional, it is the high priestess, right? And so it gives that one person the one say. And now it's, demo- mm-hmm. it's democratic uh, – was it benevolent dictatorship? They call it a benevolent dictatorship. Because you listen to what everyone says. You take everyone's mm-hmm. you take everyone's opinions into consideration and one person makes a decision. I like to look at it like a pirate ship. Not in that you're plundering booty, though if there's <laughs> no booty to plunder <laughs> I that's plundering it. But no that, that all jokes aside, on a pirate ship, everyone had a job. Okay? And when it was time to do that job, you did that job. And when it was not time to do that job, it was a very democratic and uh, equal place to exist. And even the captain was in that position until it was time to be captain. And so if they got attacked, he told everyone what to do. He was the commander of everything. And when it was over with, he went back to just hanging out and being one of the mates on the ship. And so I see the setup in very much a similar way as everyone has a job to do, and when it's time to do that job, we do it. 
Other than that, we're all gods. All here. be gods here. Yeah. yeah, we're all gods and goddesses here. Mm-hmm. So we all have to treat each other with, with the love, respect, and reverence that we would treat deities. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, it's time to do the job. It's time to do the job. This totally you off know, topic. had a very interesting background. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just saying. You broke up, Lord Don. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) Now, please repeat. You were speaking. I think two of us were starting at once. I shouldn't have interrupted. I got mesmerized by the fact that there's fireflies on this side of the country, and I missed them, and I didn't realize it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm. I was going to remark on on Pete's very interesting background because he had a background. Um, for what a better way to put it in the real world, he's been involved with advertising, he's been involved with law, he's been involved with government, and he had insights that a lot of people in our community don't have, and he knew how to get things done. And I think that, yeah, go ahead. Pete, the way that Pete got things done, with Pete. Uh, Passed the reins over. I went through all, you know, a lot of documents and emails and whatnot. And what Pete did was you just, first of all, if Pete Pete told you that this is what was going to happen, if you did it this way, that was the thing to do. He was just always right. He was one of those people who was just always right. That was his gift. And mm-hmm. with all this curse, too, because he was always right, you know, and it, that'd piss you off. Yeah. If you right. But he, um, once he got his jaw set, he was just going to get it. The way that he got the 501 designation for the churches, he just didn't give up. He was a relentless uh, bulldog. Or he just kept at it at, with without. Mm-hmm stopping and he would teach me he would say you put you send your email and then if they don't respond to you you wait this long and you put second request in the subject line before the subject title and then if they don't respond you put third request and if they don't respond you put sixth request and you do that until they respond and that is that is how he got things done and he also didn't wait you know he taught me Mm -hmm. that that you you delegate a task and then you follow up and you you following up is the larger part of getting a task done but you know when it all comes down to brass tacks if you got to roll up your sleeves and do it yourself you roll up your sleeves and do it yourself and and mm-hmm. that is that is how I do too you know if it if it if it comes down to it I'll build the doggone website or draw up the magazine oh. article or it won't be as good but I'll do it. Oh, man, if Bella asks you to do something enough times and you don't do it, all of a sudden a wrong version of what you asked for that works but isn't correct, and she'll go, you shouldn't have left me to do it. <laughs> I didn't have time to do it, but I did it anyway because stuff's got to get done. Well, that, uh, that is how things get done. Yeah. And, you know, Edward, Edward has a uh, saying, which is um, progress over perfection. It's better to do okay. it even if it's not perfect. Because otherwise, it's simply not done. And that it's very is true. Too. It is true. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a, I, I built a teepee, 
and I put the teepee up wrong. Like I built the teepee off of a one page, eight and a half by 11 pay, uh, size pattern that I copied out of a book in the library and I sewed it and I got everything and I'm a resourceful witch. Let me tell you, like I said, if mm. I can't, I, I, couldn't, I didn't have $2,000, but I could buy enough cotton duck to do it. And I put it up wrong. Mm. So I came back down to, to redo it. And I got to the property where the TP was up and the gentleman uh, that owned the property knew how to put it up right. And I was like, I need you to come help me put up my TP. And he was like, I'm not going to be able to come down until Sunday. And I was like, oh, hell, I'll have it put down, taken down and put back up again by then. And he said, oh, is it going to be like that? And I said, yeah, I, I can't wait. So he got in his car and came on down and showed me. Because, you know, you ain't got time to wait. People schedule mm-hmm. time. The sun and the moon do not stop moving in the sky. Mm-hmm. Did we lose you guys? <laughs> well, I'm here. Um, uh, I think I think one of the things that we're going to have to see in coming years. Um, and when I say coming years, I don't I don't mean twenty years out. But I, I think we're going to have to see continuing application of practicality, of doing what works, and of doing what other world religions do. Um, and we may not always do it the same, but um, if we want to, want to be regarded as a serious religion, we also must behave as one. Yeah, well, that, that's, the, that's the truth. <clears throat> Dusty put out a big article not too long ago about what millennials want in their church, and it was mm-hmm. really good. I'm not an article as much as a really long Facebook post on someone else's thread, <laughs> so it's not something you can research, unfortunately. But basically, they asked what Ed asked, like how we have dwindling uh, numbers and how do we get people in and how do we retain people and how do we get young people actually upset my uh one of my uh mentors because some people feel very strongly about the way things have been done mm-hmm. and it's the same as when you read every other business that's in the world that mo- they say millennials are killing but it's not that millennials are killing these businesses or these structures, it's that they don't agree with the way they're run, and they're not wrong. And when I say they, I mean me. I'm 35. I literally graduated in 2001. Millennial means coming of age in the millennium. I came of age in the millennium. So I am an avocado toast eating problem. That means... <laughs> <laughs> I love avocados. Yeah, well, no, I think, right. yeah. But we don't want, for the most part secret clubs that we Mm. swear our fealty to and keep quiet. What we want Mm. are institutions the same as other religions that we can take our children to and have picnics and go to ice cream social and take them to maybe a Sunday school even or any of the other things. Camp outs, our children's program, Spiral Scouts, they want 
and I don't know if you saw, but Spiral Scouts was in USA Today. It said Very four good. scouting troops. It said four scouting troops that are already uh, all inclusive, and one of them was Spiral Scouts. Talked about the ATC had been around for twenty years. It was really cool. But awesome. Millennials want that. They want the dual, or they want the inclusiveness. They want jamborees, and they don't want to hide who they are, and they don't want to hide who they are anymore. Mm-hmm. Many of them. Now, there's a, we're right at the scene, you know, where there's still people that are like, oh, I'm in the closet, but so many more are coming out that never mm-hmm. knew there was a closet. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, you can't expect a, an answer from the 1960s to uh, necessarily answer for the 2010s. Um, That's things change. Right. I mean, one, of, one of the things about Corellianism is that we've been around for a while, and That's every true. generation, including during my lifetime, has changed from the previous generation because each generation is different. Uh, interests change. Um, the way people choose to express themselves can change, and your organization has to be able to embrace that, or you'll have nothing but a bunch of 8 year olds Well, um, you know, our our focus is changing right now from the resurgence of witchcraft and bringing the goddess back into the light. She's here. We're more focused on our changing world now. How to live mm-hmm. in concert with the world. Now that we can be our spirituality out in our yard, we want our yards to be safe. You know, so mm-hmm. we're, we're coming back. We're getting people every day that are getting elected into office that are pagans that are getting on school boards, um, which is what we need. You say you want the same stuff mm-hmm. that other religions have. Well, I'll tell you right now. Other religions have politicians. We ha- you're doing a thing right now with having a radio show, but I fully believe that we need to start buying up AM bands and having shortwave AM bands that uh, run maybe, I don't know, the cauldron.net, and when it's not and, running, and, the, family and, out, fa- you know. and then like supplement that long uh, play that they've got with shows like your show and the Krellian Hour and other mm-hmm. different pagan shows because when you drive across this country, I will tell you, there are thousands upon thousands of square miles that are filled with nothing but 1 a.m. station that is playing the most backwards religious At the word fundamental, honey. Sure. Fundamental. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so well, that is a very good idea. Part of the reason we, we've been so involved in radio and, and video and and so forth, it's very important that we get our message out in front of the world uh, if we expect anyone to hear it. Yeah, um, we need to get... Because if, if we're not saying it, yeah. And then after you join the school board and you do a good job, you run for a small local election. And then you get into a bigger mm-hmm. election and a bigger election and a bigger yeah. election. You've got pagans in the center. Call yourself a pagans. couple of senators. House of Representatives. What was that? Well, I said you, you must buy yourself a few, a few senators and, and, and establish yourself in the world. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one of the things that. Buy your, did senator. you say buy yourself yes, a few senators? Well, this is what other religions do. Yes. It's it's the way that uh, 
if you want paganism to be established in the mainstream, mm-hmm. you need to jump into the waters. And You're absolutely right. They're in the political arena. They're in the education arena. They're in the marketing arena. They're, we need for we need to promote to the pagans that are coming up that never feared about being in a broom closet to embrace mm-hmm. their sacredness and put it out to the world. Well, you know, what I'm seeing is they're already there. Then. I mean, there are pagans everywhere, and they're professionals. There are fired uh, firemen mm-hmm. and our policemen, and they're everywhere. We've got a lot of pagans, and they're starting to make – we're making a difference. The, mm-hmm. the it, It's one little seed at a time, but I remember when there you never ran into another pagan. It was rare to find somebody, and you just had to be good at reading auras to know because they weren't wearing a pentagram. But now you, right. you, you find us in the line at the grocery store – Talking to people in your at your bank and stuff, there we're everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's it's really that is true. Yeah, I'm asked often how come I constantly wear I'll, I'll always have on either a pentacle or my earrings because people identify with that and they're like, oh, nice earrings, and right away you can start a conversation like, okay, where are you from? You know, and it, it just mm-hmm. it shows that there are a lot more of us out there than anybody thinks. The moon on my forehead is like a priest collar. I wear it so that my <laughs> can find me. They know what it means when they see it. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, let me offer a piece of moment here because I've been, I've been listening. And I'll tell you, buying up AM bands is just a piss-poor idea because the cost of capital compared to what's going to happen next in the Internet world, is going to amaze everybody. Um, the next wireless systems that are going to place are going to completely override the old bands, so people can get the content. But one of the big things I think that it is, is you guys covered every part of it except the one thing that makes the pagan world possible, and that is the trades, getting our people to actually do things, build things, make things. The desperate need of the pagan world right now is agriculture. It's all this other stuff. And I do find that the message that everybody gets across is this idea, and now let me go ahead and say it, and I'll, and I'll leave this to it, is that Wiccans and pagans are allergic to money. I mean, literally, large sums of money seem to burn holes in their pockets. They can't seem to hang on to it because it burns their fingers. They're, they're, they're discouraged to take it. They find reasons not to accept it. And they're fearful when they have it. All of those things sign to a sort of a mental illness or disease that's an allergy to to resources, to money. And I see this in the festival season. I see this in a lot of places. They can't seem to hold on to land for very long. Or if they do, they're very, very careful who goes on to it. Um, There's this allergy to, to the allergy of it. And the Internet world's about to change. Uh, next to go to Heartland and we'll talk extensively about how dramatically, and my tradition has been very good about letting me play with them about the next sort of transition. Um, what do you think about right. this idea of What do I think about the idea? I, I, you know, I was thinking about it while you were talking, and I, I asked, why do we feel that way? And, and I, I proposed a hypothesis, possible, that witches know 
that money causes so much misery and oppression and unhappiness in the world that they instinctively pull away from wanting to deal with it. I, I wonder, because if we used the barter system, if we didn't have money, we wouldn't have the the same kind of, like you said, by a senator, how prestigious is that? How many one percenters own <laughs> senators? I mean, does that put you in a different category when you get to buy a senator and a football team? Does that go right next to your football team? So <laughs> maybe we we instinctively just think that the whole thing stinks and we need a better way where it's not such a oppressive used to control the masses type thing. Right. So part of that I find, I find interesting, I always explain to everybody, without these massive individuals who made massive amount of wealth, they'll leave the massive projects. We wouldn't have the telephone. And I'm very careful about the labor because I'm a one percenter. Um, I'm an American, so that makes me automatically a five percenter. Because if I'm in America, I use five, I am, I'm in the top five percent of this world's population just in the basic income that we make. And I'm almost a one percenter in that I control more than $43,000 worth of assets and value. Remember, one percent of the world population is one percent. Remember, Americans are fighting over how wealthy they are compared to each other. But compared to the other part of the world, we are the one percenters. We are the five percent. And that's something I, I that I think you, is, and I don't want to argue, but we are not the one percent. This is you are conflict. The, 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 the one percent. you're not looking at the world. Amount of money. Not, we might be one percent of the. We're, then you're not. Let me finish this then you're not seriously looking at Wicca as a world religion. You're really looking at Wicca as trying to establish as an American religion. No. I'm, I'm really – when I refer to the 1%, that is the super rich, the people who don't have to work and have never had to work and didn't have to work because their father didn't have to work and that live off of, of mass amounts of investment and – don't understand the same reality that we have that can buy football teams and senators. Those are the people that I'm talking about when I'm talking about the 1%. I, 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 see, I, when and I'm I don't, and I don't <laughs> consider anybody that works for a living or has the, um, the uh, a personal presence of mind to do something such as you guys do to make the world such a better place to live in in that category. So mm. maybe so maybe well, we'll, 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 we'll agree to disagree way of on this one. I'll agree okay. well I'll agree to disagree on this one because I see myself as a one percenter. I see myself as exceptional and I see my wicket as exceptional. And I see my faith as exceptional and um, I see everything that we do through this lens of exceptional except being exceptional. And because we have the sort of belief that we, are, we live in an undying world, and so that everything we do is about a future perfect, that's a terrific thing. And so I do see myself as a one percenter, and I do see myself, because I know real economics, and I know what real poverty looks like. And we have members all over the world. We have people who are being executed in the name of a witch, though they're not witches or Wiccans or anything to do with us. So... 
we have tremendous power as Americans. We have tremendous power with our economic situation. And everybody has the ability to change the world in a moment. I mean, I just went over to last night. I was at the grand opening of the new parliament office of world religions where they're opening a new office and finding out how difficult a time they're having in this new world. And they have the same feelings about money. And this is the world's religion. So it's not just you. So I understand this idea of this idea of wealth. But I wish I wish I wish people could see how wealthy they truly are. Because I do think that that I think if we did we would change the way that we would look at things and I think we'd be in a really good position. I think we'd be see how much stronger we really are than we think we are. I think we think we're weaker than we are. Well, maybe we just haven't found the niche that we as pagans want to fit ourselves into. But what I really liked hearing was about land because I having pagans that have farms, large farms. If you ever read uh, the or watch George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones, the most powerful family in the Westeros are the Tyrells. And it's because they own yes. all the farmland. Their their money regrows every year. And so if pagans just started buying up farms and selling their produce, selling their dairy, selling their meat, and got bigger and bigger and bigger farms, we would have we would change the way that we dealt with money. And it would fall in line with our beliefs in a way that I think that we would be able to get behind it. I'm also finding more and more pagans that are professionals that make over a hundred thousand dollars a year and contribute to the to the church financially. I find, like I said earlier, that people either have money to donate or they have time because people that that have a lot of money are working all the time, and people that have time don't have a lot of money. So you end up seeing a lot of people service-oriented and giving of themselves in paganism who don't have a lot of money, and that um, we had a contributor send $3,000 to the scholarship fund for Spring Mysteries, but he didn't come because he couldn't, he couldn't take off work. So you don't see those people that have money so often. Okay, so you've been listening to the Crowley Family Hour. We're going to continue on with the Super Festival special. Um, so, Don, let's go ahead and do this little round robin as we drop the hour. So you're going to be at what festival? I'm sorry? Uh, Don? I will be. Oh. What? Me? I was asking Don, can you give us the word? It's uh, nearing okay. the top of the hour. And I want Don to tell us what festival he's going to be at. And then I'm going to follow around with each one of you. I want to find out where you guys are going to be at. Don? I will be attending the uh, the Heartland Festival um, in a little bit under a week, uh, next weekend. And then I will be going on to the St. Louis Pagan Picnic the following weekend. And then I will be going on to the Three Gates Festival the weekend after that. 
And then in July, I'll be at Witches Fest USA in New York. And, um, and I'll be appearing at a couple of, a couple of Pagan Prides come September. Uh, but I don't have that schedule finalized yet. So I'll be all over the place. That sounds fun. Lots of traveling. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, and Belle and Duffy? Please check out hashtag World Love Tour. Um, we have many, many stops. We're going to Florida, uh, to Moxton Slough, West Palm Beach, and then we're going to Memphis and Arkansas. We'll be at Three Gates with Don. We'll be at St. Louis Pagan Picnic with Don. We're going to Michigan Pagan Festival. We're also doing several affiliates on the north side of the country. We're trying to come as close to you as possible, so hashtag World Love Tour. And if you're on Facebook and you research World Love Tour, you can find all the dates and everything that we're doing right there on the event page. And if if somebody has something going on in the area that you're going to be at, can they request that you come and do a ritual? Well, we have a very full schedule, so you do. You could you could try, and we would see if we could work it in, but it would be very iffy. Okay. Uh, a schedule this big is hard to fit stuff in once it's planned and executed. Yeah, but we will be available <clears throat> to do it again in September and October. No, September we could. Awesome. Okay. So, Lori. So I will be at St. Louis Pagan Picnic with Lord Don and Witch Fest. I have Mm -hmm. about four Pagan Pride events between North Carolina, Virginia, and South Carolina and Florida. I will be joining Dusty and Bella in Jacksonville while Lord Don is at Heartland. Um, I said Witch Fest. Mostly everything else will come in September and October, so stay tuned for Pagan Pride dates coming up soon. Absolutely. So, no, I'm going to beg all of you to do me a favor. I mean this. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Yep. Okay. So the Daily Spell, which reaches over 120,000 people, is one of the more powerful tools we have that's free to us to do. Um, we'll make sure we get everybody out there. When you're at these festivals and when you're doing things and talking to people, please just put film up. Let people share what you're doing. There are so many people who want to see you. And I've become a day trader attention. I've been really deep into this idea that what's really necessary. So you, you've been talking about the idea of the community as it is and talking you know, from the spirit right now the biggest consumption is documentation over creation. They don't want to just know about you being witches. They want to see how you live. And I'm telling you, they want to see how you guys live. I'm telling you, the clubs in, there's a club in Los Angeles that dedicated to things. There's witch businesses opening up across America. And not even just us, but I, I just ask you guys, you know, so Lori can help you with that. But share, you know, just yeah. if you really want to reach your audience, you know, we have some really magnificent tools. Think about using them. All of you, just okay. use more of our tools. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, and speaking of pagan festivals and stuff all over, I've noticed a lot of um, pop-up shops coming along. You know, it started maybe like a, a couple years ago with pop-up restaurants. I believe you went to one in Chicago, Ed? Sure. 
about what? I got a four, five months ago. Well, I've noticed that um, we're seeing a lot of temporary shops going up for metaphysical supplies, and I believe there's a couple mm-hmm. going on right now in New York, one in Connecticut. Um, there's one or two in Pennsylvania, and I think you can research that by um, typing in witchcraft or uh, metaphysical pop-up shops. Oh, absolutely. That's how I accidentally came across it, and I think that's a great thing also. A lot of pop-up so, shops. Yep. I'm all for that. I mean, let me tell you, I don't understand why pagans don't own second-hand shops. It should be a natural. Right. I, I have mm-hmm. a big issue about cold. Yeah, I remember. But we're not going to get into that because it's about festivals. And um, and so and, and I'm going to be at the Heartland Pagan Festival. And so I guess we've already started our second hour. Um, you're welcome to stick along uh, with me. But I'm going to be at Heartland Pagan Festival and this year, and I'm going to be presenting some really strong new material myself. Um, but I'm going to let, let Lori, Don, and all of them, do you guys want to close? Do you have anything to say? I don't know where you guys are, you know, um, because I heard that you have a seance here at midnight, right? So you guys want to have a seance. What do you want to do? Okay. Uh, We have to to go. Yeah. I know you do. Okay, so Bella, can you just run by your websites one more time? Okay. Hello? Well, we know that we've been talking about it, so you can follow them. Well, good night and thank okay. you. We've been talking thank you so much, guys. Time. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. All right. Um, are you still there? We are. Okay. I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay, so what's it? Are you? Okay, three, three, six. Okay, good. I was, I was never sure. Okay, terrific. So we're going to get into this. So we're down. Uh, so that was very cool, very interesting. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the festival season, but I want to talk about it from our point of view since we have us. So you guys are in St. Louis Pagan Picnic, probably the single most film pagan event we have, I think. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Absolutely. I would say so. Right. And so sometimes you need to do that. Um, I've been noticing one of the things about the festival, uh, the patterns of the festival. Uh, some of the, some of the ideas that are out there with festivals right now is this idea that people just really want to own like land and things like that. And I, I find it fascinating that people have been you know talking about that a lot more because uh, Gaia's retreat is own land, whereas St. Louis Pagan Picnic is on a public park district. It's been around every forever. Right. And PS and Pagan Spirit Gatherings on rented space, even though they own a festival, they own a sanctuary. So, and Wisteria is a campground. So there's like a combination of campgrounds and things like that. And so people have been asking me, are Corellians ever going to have their own campground? Are they ever going to have their own festival? And I told them probably over my dead cold body, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was just um, recently speaking with one of our high priests. I'm not going to say who right now, but we were discussing buying up land in Puerto Rico because it would be a great vacationing place. Land is cheap yeah. there now. 
and we could have a small Karelian. I, I, I'm not going to say the name he used, um, but I, I'll, I'll refer to it as a campground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I thought was you know, a good idea. Yes. I'm not against having a campground or a retreat. Right. Um, I've seen Wisteria and, and Gaia's retreat. They allow people to buy, and, and Starwood for a while, let people buy cabins. Right. So you can buy a cabin, more or less, on that property, so you can always have a place to go. I think that's a great idea. I think there's yeah. a lot of models out there. Um, I'm dealing deeply right now. Um because of my screw-up, my guest is going to be next. I have a, some of my guests are calling in the next hour because I really screwed up my timing. 347-308-8222. Feel free to call in. Tell us about your festival experiences. Um, so, Don, you don't do a lot of festivals, do you? No, I don't. Or, or do you consider uh, – I guess if you talk about three or four festivals a year, that's a lot of festivals. Well, yeah, it depends how you look at it. I mean, arguably, I do, I do do quite a few. I I do the St. Louis Pagan Picnic every year. I usually do the Witches' Fest. I've only missed one of them. Um, mm-hmm. when, when, uh, for a long time, I did the um, the Fellowship of Isis Goddess Festival in Chicago every year um, and would like to get back into that. But unfortunately, in the last few years, it's conflicted with, uh, with other commitments. Uh, but there are, there are things I definitely do do, um, but I don't do, I don't do a lot of the festivals that um, mm-hmm. I don't do the I weekend I, I Lord Don, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? You muffled. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't usually do camping type festivals unless there's a cabin. Right. With my new mom. Um, now, when you say festival, are you are you talking about more than a two day event, a single day event? Well, Don, well, a festival, I guess, is more than a one day event. I mean, I guess you can have a festival right. for one day. I mean, you can, of course, you can. Festival means mm-hmm. to be festive. So I don't think there's a time limit on a festival. It's just a matter of does everybody agree it's going to be a festive time? Right. Um. Isn't that true? I guess that's really so. I, I've never really thought of it, but I, I think when we think of festivals, like Pagan Pride doesn't call itself a festival; it calls itself Pagan Pride Day. Right. Um, Pagan Picnic doesn't call itself Pagan Pe- Picnic Festival, or Pagan Festival calls it a Pagan Picnic because I think it sits over two days. I think that's pretty honest about it. I think when we yeah. talk about festival, I think we're usually talking about multi-day in Pagan world. I think we're usually talking about multi-day camping trips where people stay with with everybody so they can have a night experience, a day experience. They're actually living in this sort of temporary village. And that's yeah. what the big thing about festivals is. is it's just, I don't think people really understand it is this idea of um, festivals, right? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Is that the idea of living in this sort of temporary community, this sort of consensual right. community where you can step out of your one reality into another. And I think that's what makes festival season so great. If that's what I think what people try to do. Um, I know Heartland does that. I mean, that's exactly what we're going into is myths and legends. 
is their theme. And so it's very interesting that they, they've asked me to keynote at a time when I was like going to be myths and legends. I didn't, you know, never thought about that. You know, and I have always thought about that. I mean, everybody who knows me knows like myths and legends are my big thing. Um, I mean, Ed the Pagan is my legendary name. Uh, so in that aspect, uh, so we get a lot of that sort of ideas. We get sort of that, sort of that energy of living in a consensual community. It's kind of this place where we bring together all our arts and because it's living off the fat of the land. And I don't care what people say. We are way richer than we know. And I'm, I'm, I, I just wish I could break through to people through this before we absolutely bring ourselves to our knees thinking we're so fucking poor and letting the world come in and take us, you know, and let the world take our wealth. Is right. how fabulously wealthy we are. Oh. It breaks my heart when I hear people talk about how unfabulously wealthy we are. Um, I've been looking at real world numbers, so so we are so abundant and things like that. And I think the festivals represent that abundance, the moment of that abundance and sharing that abundance. And I think that people forget that that's what it's for. Festivals were always about sharing your abundance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trading it for other people. That's what the marketplace came from. I think that's, and I think especially the way the pagan marketplace, the pagan festival is designed, it's around, so paganism is almost a brand as well as it is a sort of idea of it. So I think what it is is that you get people, the marketplace is part of every pagan festival has a marketplace just about. Pagan yes. pride has I a think that's the only place PSG. that they have to market their, their wares and goods. Well, that means internet. Maybe that used to. What's that? Yes, the internet. Well, there's more than, yeah, the internet. I think, is, yeah. yeah. Well, go ahead, Don. Now, the world has changed tremendously in terms of um, what it offers offers to our movement. Um, and some of the things that have happened, well, you know, the psychic movement is a related movement. And when the 900 members came in, uh, for those of you who remember that, that era, and today, internet reading, uh, a lot of people lost live readings because people could go and get their reading without anybody seeing them. However, I would, I would argue that the total number of people getting readings went up exponentially because they could do it in the comfort of their own home. And I think that for pagan merchandising, the Internet has been a huge boon. Uh, and people who um, were um, kind of eking out a living at festivals, I, I think, can now augment that with a great deal of online sales if they're willing to work for it. I, you can't, You're talking to, to the choir here. No, absolutely. So... I think the one of the things I think people misunderstand, so I think it's even better than that. I think that we can be involved in people's lives on a daily basis. So I've come across, I mean, I've been studying, if anyone knows me, since the transmission, since I started doing the transmission, and I really appreciate every time you do it, is that you know that there's basically six orders of life in the world, right? Uh, animal, plant, insects, and there's three bacterial forms of life that are basically make up all the families of life. Right? We're evolutionists, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And there's now an argument that there's a seventh order of light called technium. And that our technology shows its own essence of being alive. That we basically, we create our tools and our tools create us. Mm-hmm. And we're going into a moment where our tools are absolutely putting a lot of pressure on us and we're putting pressure on tools. And if you listen to these technologists, Otto Magical, Peter Demandus, that we are in the, you know, that basically the, the technological world we're entering to is I think and I therefore create. Isn't that the term? Isn't that magic? They're literally starting to talk about technology as terms of magic. Yes. And I think that's, and not only is it, well, I predicted it, but I also feel like it's just a really kind of cool time. And in order to understand that, you have to understand that, that some of the things that we rally against are the very things that make this all possible. Yes. Sometimes I worry that we're going to try to pull down the ultra-rich and pull down our entire infrastructure because we don't understand how economics work. And we're unwilling to be happy. So I think that's one thing I think Corellians do very well. I think one of the things I think Wicca can do very well. Um, but I have one last question, and I know you guys are, I don't, then you guys can figure out what we're going to do. But So this week I have two major questions out there in the world that I tested. And let me go ahead with the first mm-hmm. one, as you saw our responses. Is Wicca an English only, should be English only? was a question this week I asked across our various internets. And Lori is the general secretary and one of the social media mistresses of the Daily Spell Network, Pegasus and I, all of this. She goes out there and she really does a great job of working out, getting information out to you guys every day. You should get your information to her, an editor at thedailyspell.com, because she can get your information out farther and better than almost anyone else in the community. Yes, thank you. So, Lori, but you saw that this week, right? Yes, I did. Um... I, I thought at first a very odd question, like why should it only be an American religion? And then I started thinking about what everybody perceives it to be, that it only started here, but where did it come from? It, it had to come from somewhere before it was here, so why should it only be an American religion? Uh, no, it should be translated, in my opinion, in as many languages as possible. It should be a global thing for everyone and anyone, because if you think about where it all originated from, it it, it originated from before we were here. It may not have been popular until the 50s here, but most of the beliefs in what we're building on were long before we were Americans. Great. Don, well, what did you say? I, I don't. I don't think that the idea of Wicca being British only or English language only would make sense to any Corellian. Uh, right. We come from a very different background. Uh, we do not come out of the Gardnerian matrix. We became involved with the Wicca movement through eclectic Wicca, which is a very different um, matrix. And you know, I've always looked at Wicca as being a multiracial, multicultural, multilingual movement. And, you know, you can't really be a world religion if you're not. 
I'm not sure you can even really be called a religion if you're not. Um, but certainly not a world religion. And as far as uh, Corellians go, we have, we have a huge contingent of non-English speakers. Yeah. Uh, we just made it a point to do part of illustration in Spanish for our Spanish language contingent. Um, we um, were opening shrines and and, uh, and and groups in Spanish-speaking countries every week. Um, and, of course, we have many other languages. Also, we have people in South Africa, in Ghana, in Kenya, uh, in other parts Building. of Africa. We have people in yeah. India. Um, so, obviously, we don't regard this as British only. In fact, if it, if it were British only, we would have no business being in it. Um, because I do not come from a British background, uh, nor do I come from an exclusively European background. Uh, so for me, this is this has always been a universalist proposition, and I think Eclectic Wicca always has been. And one of the problems I think we have in the community is that, that certain loud minority voices are overrepresented, and I think it's time the community just stops listening to them. The idea of an English language only religion is ridiculous, right. but, uh, but but there are people out there promoting it. And not being laughed at, which I think is problematic. And, and to be honest, if it were English language only, it would just be a racialist movement. Um, mm -hmm. We have enough of those. And I discovered that there's exactly ten languages. If you spoke five languages, there's five languages you translate into, you would speak mm -hmm. to half the world. And it was ten languages for three quarters of the world. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's true. It's absolutely. I have put mm -hmm. out that article this week, and it's uh, Mandarin or Chinese, uh, Spanish, Spanish more so than English, English, yes. mm -hmm. um, Hindi, and Arabic. So, yeah. Very cool. If you cover those five languages, you cover half the world global population. Yes. So, and in fact, if you did it just English only, you'd only cover one out of seven people. You could really only talk to one in seven people if you only speak only English. Wow. And one out of six if you're Spanish. And one out of five if you speak Chinese. So, yeah, there's no unity. So that's a, that's a hard part. So the second part of that language was, so this week also, because I've been involved with some of these uh, interest, more interesting groups, the second part was, should Wicca stand separate of paganism? And what I discovered in listening to it is that all too many people are willing to say that try to define Wicca as paganism, but then attack Wicca for being not pagan enough, or it's not really pagan. I'm finding that the pagan community, you know, I'll call people who are not Wiccans, right, okay. who call themselves either British traditional witches or Astro or heathens or anything else, are really kind of like, yeah, Wiccans are pagans if they try to break away. When I'm trying to point out how Wiccan break away, Oh no, you can't break away your life, God. But we're also, but you're not really like us because you're too fluffy. You're not centrally organized. There's so many different things. And I want, I, I, and why don't we start with Don, and then Lori, I want your comments. But Don, what do you think about that? Have you seen this, this sort of idea that Wiccans are kind of like neo-pagans or something at the edge here, and we, you're part of us, but you're not really part of us. Have you seen that? 
I've, I've seen that in various incarnations over the years, and I think it's um, I think it's very foolish, and I think it's very wrongheaded. Um, but it's there, and you know, my philosophy, which which I, I loudly expound upon to anyone organi- organizing uh, things willing to listen to me, is that those who want to who work together should work together. And if they don't want to work with you, don't deal with them. Um, so my, I think my answer would be is that um, we need to make common cause with those who will make common cause and, and otherwise cut out the driftwood. Okay, Lori, what so, about you? Well, well, well oh, I, one more thing, and that, that's um, Oberon Zell has a saying which I think is perfect for this occasion. And that is, um, if you don't want any, you can't have any. <laughs> uh, so if you don't want us, we don't have to be there. Very true. And for, for all of those people, including the idiots who like the term fluffy bunny, which I consider rather childish, but you know, you don't like us. We don't, we really don't need to deal with you. And perhaps it's time we stop. Right. Your thoughts, Lori? Well, for me, I always refer to myself as Wiccan before Pagan. Although, yes, Wicca falls under the Pagan umbrella, which I think people forget that it's an umbrella and not a religion itself. Um, if we're looking to at Wicca as just a, a specific religion under that, yes, we should be separated. Um, my opinion, my opinion only. Um, I, I, I feel the same as Lord Don. I, I hate the term fluffy bunny. When I hear fluffy bunny, I think more Harry Potter witches. Um, but it's not I never realized that the term fluffy bunny was referring to all Wiccans until recently. I always thought that the term meant they're not real witches because... They they only read a book. They don't practice anything. They don't do this. They don't do that. Um, I, I'm learning more, being more out in the public, that it's not just that. They are referring to Wiccans because we don't do everything they do. Well, we do things different. It, it's not that we don't do it the same or that we're not doing. We're just doing it differently. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I well, would like to see Wicca on its own. Right. Hmm. They've usually been there for five years at most and won't be there in that, five that's more. That's exactly right. So the reason why this has been important, so, and, and let me point out that a Wiccan who is also a pagan, and I'm Ed the Pagan, and, and right. the pagan world is changing a bit, um, was at the grand opening of the World Parliament of Religion. So we are represented. We've been very well represented in the world thing as Wiccans. And I think Phyllis Crowd did a great job as in identifying us as Wiccans. And I had pictures of how the military represents the pentagram. And here's the big fight. Okay, here's the big, big fight. You hear the big, you want to hear the big fight. Okay. And we're starting this fight accidentally because we're about to do something. I want to talk about this last thing, and then, and then, then we're going to break, take a music break. But I want to first mention this, is that the pentacle isn't a pagan symbol according to the United States military. It's mm-hmm. Wiccan. Right. According to the Parliament of World Religions, they see the, they, they, uh, they had almost everything. 
Only on one piece was the pentagram for paganism on all of the cases for Wicca. Yes. I've noticed that. So, okay. So if we give a divorce to Wicca, pagans, do we take the, the symbol with us? Or is it already ours? Absolutely. Our pagans, I, absolutely. Our pagans I agree 100%. It's ours. <laughs> if that's how they want okay. to choose to see it. Well, we also have to remember that you can't really control something like that. But um, but all things being equal, um, I mean, it, it is generally recognized as the Wiccan symbol, not the pagan symbol. Correct. And mm-hmm. all, all these other little branches of paganism want to have their own symbols. That's fine. Well, you've got them. Well, they do have them. Or they want to call themselves... Um, other other kinds of words um, to be different and special. I think the most, the silliest one I ever heard was Denny Pagan. But, yeah, um, I, I I recently ran across that and I really did not understand what that was. To be honest, that's someone who needs to feel more special than they do. Okay. To be blunt. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the night for being blunt. <laughs> It is. I mean, I'm tired. I it's mean, always I'm, a good night to be blunt. Well, I'm a great believer in diplomacy, so. but I seem to be suffering fools less graciously than formerly. <laughs> so, I've one had too, reason too, why too much of a run of them lately. Well, let's, let's let's leave a little bit more into this. And why why are these questions coming up? Because we're doing the Global Wicca Summit. Yes. And uh, we already have uh, commitments from a lot of great people. Uh, we do. We have commitments. We do. The ambassador, the first pagan ambassador, um, which I think she also, Jerry Hildebrand, which also I think she believes she identifies as a witch as well. And she's a member of the Parliament of World Religion Ambassador Advisory. will be working with us on the Global Wicca Summit, which is an live online technological wonder that we're putting on. This is where we're going to show real difference of what we mean by technology. Uh, we have the vice, the former vice chairman of the Problem of World Religions and a great priestess of herself and messenger of the green man herself has pledged to join us, Phyllis Croft, and we're still discussing okay. how to do that. The lady Selena Fox, the great and magnificent uh, Selena Fox, has agreed to us, plus we have our own people. And the Global Wicca Summit, and I've already been challenged on this. So we're going to be talking about some of that. That's the positive point of view. And we've got far more people coming. And if you want to find out about it, the dailyspell.com slash uh, G-S-W-W-S. Oh, the G-W-S. Yes, that's, that's what I was getting caught up. I mean, my little dyslexia wants to switch yeah. those around. <laughs> the OCD part of my brain wants to do it around. But no, it's the Global Wicca Summit, G-W-S. Right. And we're posting this on. And here's what I've already gotten. Well, what gives you the right to do this? Don't ask me that question. I'm at the peg, and I can do anything a dad will choose to do if I have to. You know, I, I've been asked that often also, um, why just Wicca? And that's when I came to you with the questions I did. Um, well, we can include nine other religions in that, but what would that get us? We're, mm-hmm. We are Wiccans, so I, in, in the way that you worded it, it's absolutely correct. We could only speak for what we are. Uh, 
I think Don and I have made a major mistake in the past with the Parliament. I have made a kind of a weird little mistake with Parliament, and that is I didn't identify myself Wiccans a lot sooner. I didn't okay. support. I supported the pagan agenda very early on. Right. And very early on, and I fought battles against you know part Parliament world religions. And my story of the Parliament world religion isn't as lily white as others. I mean, there's there's we have some blood covered snow. We've got real tears. We have real prejudice. We've had to overcome real prejudice to be where we're at. And I think identified as pagan, and basically, I should. I wish I would have identified as Wiccan earlier. It within that context. Okay. All right. And I'm known as Ed the Pagan for a reason of major media, and I will always be known. That's my legendary name, and I'll explain that at Heartland why that's a really important part of it, and why the festivals are so important to us is because we convey these stories that everybody wants, and we want to do our own festival of this sort of technology. But that really, the thing that, that people don't understand is that if Wicca is a religion, then we have a right to self-identify. Why is it – and, John, you're a historian here. Why is it that we got so tangled up inside the pagan Wiccan world that we're allowing a multitude of small religions to judge each other? And, and I think that in the end of the day, Wiccans need to get tangled up into that. Do you well, know? You it's a complex question. Um, I think it has to do with the fact, it has to do with several things, one of which is wounded ego. Uh, the extent to which wounded ego is a problem in the communities that we're talking about, I think, is vastly underrated. And it has a lot to do with some of the decisions that they have made. Uh, the second thing, I mean, the identity wars tore the community apart. But they've really kind of been there from the beginning. And one of the things I was saying earlier that eclectic Wicca is different from British traditional Wicca in its origins as well as everything else. And its origins are heterogeneous. Uh, A lot of different movements have flown into what is now eclectic Wicca. And they they didn't always get along to start with. the, uh, the British traditional Wiccans didn't get along to start with very well either. Um, we could have a whole conversation about the word Wicca and where it actually comes from, because it's certainly not Gerald Gardner. Right. Um, and it had to do with bad feelings between groups. Um, but I think wounded ego is the thing that prevents people from overcoming these past divisions. Um, because of their wounded egos, they, they cannot look at the practicality of the situation. The practical thing to have done would be for all of these heterogeneous groups to unite under one term and make an effort to get along. Anything else was rather foolish, but everything else is what happened. Uh, I don't know if that answers the question, but that, that's what I would see as the, the roots of the problem. Do you find in the last 10 to 15 years that um, the problem has gotten worse or is starting now to get better? It's starting to get a little better, in my opinion, in certain groups. 
the identity wars in, in Wicca were terrible for, for a while in the 90s and, and the, uh, the 2000s, but in the 2010s, uh, they seem to have receded because they destroyed so much of the community. Um, but I see a lot of people now who are willing to get along in places where people could not get along before. And I would assume it's because they saw the fruit of the former policy. Um, I'm here in Jacksonville. The Jacksonville pagan community does not have a particularly good past, but its present is, is wonderful. But part of that is because of new people. Um, not necessarily that the old ones saw, saw the error of their ways. The old ones are still still on the corners fighting while, while the new people are building uh, ser- serious accomplishments. Yes, and Jacksonville but, does have a very large pagan community, not specifically just Wiccan. Exactly. And everybody and, does get along well. Yeah, at this time. I think that there's a huge tendency... And there are several, several places in the country where you see this now. But the problem is this has happened before and been subverted back into those identity wars. And it's very important it not happen again. Um, I think also because of wounded ego, the community, um, under all of its different names, has a, ba- a bad problem with fouling its own nest and seems to enjoy living in that condition, uh, which is a very bad way to live. Uh, instead of building up, they spend their time tearing down and then wonder why they don't have the things that other groups have. When the truth is, they had them in their hand but destroyed them. Um, but that, this brings me back to what I was saying earlier. Those who can work together and want to work together absolutely should. And they should not be trying to draw in people who don't want to work together because that will just destroy everything. So, so let me bring this to I think I think it was a really good place and, and, and kind of like a, a conclusion I think that it'll, it'll come to. So one of the things we're saying now is that us as a tradition, heading to the problem of world religions, is that we we find ourselves it, we're finding it difficult in essence to be a part of the entire umbrella of paganism, trying to be pagan leaders. And that really we're heading into the parliament to be Wiccan leaders. And that at some mm-hmm. levels, and what yeah. we're asking the community to do is to join us. Would you agree with that? That we're, that pagan is just too broad. It represents too many things. We're not pagans in that broadest sense. We can't represent all these different groups. Right. We can be supportive mm-hmm. of them. But we can't represent them. We can only represent, well, first of all, we only represent Corellians to the degree that Corellians mm-hmm. allow us to represent them. Everybody is in their own sovereign rights. And then Wiccan, as, as in general, as we represent it, and others who agree with us. <clears throat> and in order for us to have a fuller and deeper understanding which we, of us being a global tradition, and with our friends and others, we're holding a week-long, cybernetic, telepathic, nearly telepathic, highly communicative, multi-language, multi-platform, multi-idea, the biggest idea that we've ever tried to do. I think it's the biggest idea we've ever tried, Don. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely the biggest. Absolutely. And that is that you get to talk. So if you're listening to this and you want to join our super festival, we're going to be talking about this in the festival season. You get to talk about Wicca. Just contact us. You can join this conversation. All you do is write editor at thedailyspell.com and tell us how you want to become involved and check it out on thedailyspell.com. 
And Lori, as one of the biggest people who is the organizing host, the hostess, um, what do you have to say about that? I mean, what do you think about the idea that, that we're heading? Because you're going to the parliament as well. Um, yes. And you're going to carry the weight. And the idea is, I think, for you, what is the idea for you? What are you hoping to get out of doing this Global Wicked Summit? A lot of media, a lot of content, um, a, um, a lot of input on just Wicca itself and why people feel that it should be separated or not separated. We want both opinions. Um, for the parliament, the, all I'm caring about is interviewing and media and, and being able to bring everything to the people that can attend. Absolutely. Um, and I'm hearing so many, so I've had so many people say, if you're out at this festival, would you film for us? We need people who volunteer to film all summer long. If yeah. you're out at the festival, you and want to represent us, talk to us. And not just a festival, as we were saying, festival before. If you're at a Pagan Pride event, we would love to share your material. So, again, photos, video clips, they don't have to be long. They don't have to be short. They can be whatever you can provide. I will get them out there. We will put them up at the Daily Spell. Um, join the Daily Spell. Blog. Blog about your event. Blog about what you saw at an event. What, what, what most spoke to you at an event. And like Ed said earlier, we have over 100,000 views on that page alone. We have several other pages that we share to. So mm -hmm. you have a very large audience at your disposal. And so, yeah, we want to talk to the whole world. So one of the things I'm most excited about, Don, is that not only this mm -hmm. is kind of the kind of the cybernetic representation of the Crystal Lab. And what do you think of the idea that we're going to get people from all over the world talking about this finally? Um, I think that's one. Yep. And so... So I think some of the issues that we want to so so things that uh, in closing so uh, I think the thing that I think you as a, a leader Don so if I could understand I hope people would understand I think a little bit of, of the deeper Don Reverend Don Lewis and and I guess we're we're so informal sometimes I think I I, I actually take people off with the Crowley tradition because I'm so informal with everybody. <laughs> You laugh because it's. Funny. I gotta laugh. I'm uh, sorry. I tried to hold it in. <laughs> what? I tried to hold it in, put the chuckle. But you know what? Being informal is mostly what everybody wants sometimes. Um, yeah. If I if I address everybody with Lady and Lord, they look at me like with those eyes, like we're gonna kill you. Shut up. Okay. That's it. I'm being quiet now. <laughs> um, well, you know, one, one of the things that I, I say, and it's relevant to, to this subject in particular, because we we, um, we can be very formal as Corellians, and we can also be very informal, but I, I tend to describe Corellianism as being the resolution of opposites. Um, finding the space in the middle that is the, uh, the optimal place. Yes. And... Um, we um, 
one of the re- one of the reasons that we can be effective with the structure that we have is how informal we can also be. Uh, if we went too far to either side, it would be a whole different matter. But we stay in that center or try to. And um, you know, this is this is actually a very important part of Corellian thought because one of our teachings. Um, is the Aristotelian view of virtue, which is that virtue does not lie in extremes. On any occasion, it lies in the center, uh, in the median. Uh, because any, any quality you might think of as a virtue becomes a vice if you have either too much or too little of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to keep a balance in that way. One of the things I wanted to mention, you, you didn't ask me what I would like to see out of, out of the Global Summit. Uh, and I'm going to refer I back was to what I was to, saying earlier. Do you want me to hold off for a minute first? <laughs> Go ahead and say. No, please do. That was literally what I was going to ask you. To me, I got off the tangent about you, being mad about in, informality. The whole point was <laughs> about what do you think about Well, and you know, the, one of the reasons that we, we, we use um, titles and so forth has, has to do with that, um, what do other religions do? Um, and also, also certain things in our history. But I was going to say what I want to see from it. I was saying earlier that I would like to see those people who want to work together work together um, and not not worry about the people who don't want to. And that's what I would like to see come out of the summit, the people who want to work together, who want to be on good terms, who want to have good relations, um, able to come together not to form an organization or uh, necessarily to do anything together, but um, to establish, for want of a better way to put it, peaceful relations between ourselves. And I would consider that um, a very good outcome. And for those who don't like it and don't want, want to be involved with other groups and so forth, they don't need to be. That that really that is no skin off of our nose, as they say. Correct. Absolutely. So let me. So no one ever asked me what I look for things. So I I, I always find this very interesting because everybody knows I'm behind drivers. I very rarely ask what do I expect to get out of it. But in this case, mm. I really do have something for myself out of the Global Wicca Summit, and that's a reconciliation between Wicca. And what is the global ethic of the world parliament of religions, the global ethic that so many religions, and I agree, I'm one of the initial signatories of, and I've done shows on, is the global ethic. And I'm hoping that we can show that Wicca and the global ethic not only incompatible, but that they're not sublimely compatible, but that, that, they, that they represent a common mission, not only with humankind and the religious parliament, but that we're really, really good supporters of that mission. Um, you can go back to some of the shows I did earlier this year. We did the parliaments. Uh, did I went over the entire global ethic, and I'm hoping to reconcile the Wiccan groups to the idea of of what it means to be a part of a uh, of a world that agrees to this global ethic, which is about changing how the world is and accepting how the world's working, and kind of changing mm-hmm. it by accepting that religion should never ever be a cause for violence. Just never should be. Yeah. And I'm hoping to reconcile just Wicca. And that's just a very small amount. And that represents, I think it represents 10 million people. That's the thing I'm thinking I'm going to want to get, I think I'm going to get out of it. If we get the world to come together, I think it's going to be 10 million Wiccans. 
Um, that are going to come together this on uh, that week. I think you're going to see about 10 million people. I think there's that many Wiccan people out there in the world. We just have I to think there's that many also. We just have to get them all I think come. more that they're afraid to step up and, and voice their opinion than them not being there. I think the numbers well, that fine. people think for Wicca is much smaller than it actually is. So we have the technology, we have the capability, we have the will, the execution, and the power to create a place, a safe space for voices all over the world to try Wicca. And they can do that by contacting us. Check out thedailyspell.com slash GWS or write editor at thedailyspell.com to get more involved. It's coming it's amazing. Any last thoughts, Don and uh, Don, before we go on? Uh, no, not really. I, I think we've covered a lot of ground. We did cover a lot of ground. And in the third hour, I'm going to have my friends from Heartland Pagan Festival going to be coming here. We're going to take a musical break. So, Lori, I will give you the last word before we go to a musical break. Everyone, join the Daily Spell, thedailyspell.com. Start a blog page, load your pictures of any events that you're at, you're hosting, you're a part of. Um, contact us, as Ed has said several times before, editor at thedailyspell.com. I do check the email several times a day. And we hope that you will join us for the Global Weekend Summit. And, uh, and you can catch them all at the festivals they're going to be at this year. This is the Caroline Family Hour. Next week, the Caroline Family Hour will be coming live to you. I guess we'll figure that out. But we're going to be coming out from one of the festivals as well as, you know, who knows what we're going to cover. The Caroline Family Hour is, 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 is a great hour of, of talking about the Caroline family with uh, most of our Reverend Donald, uh, Donald Lewis, High Corral, who brings us with his uh, various companions a way of doing it and bringing it live. And we're going to take our musical break, and then we're going to be back with even more about the festivals and things like that. And uh, you can always check out everything at, what is it, Corellian.org? Um, yeah, you can get there through .org, but it's also .com. Oh, it's .com, too. Okay. Well, yeah. it's easy. You look yeah. at Corellian, you'll find us Everywhere online. but Mexico. So I'm going to go, and we're going to leave with, yeah, Kellyanna and Wendy's. So we're going to do, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Jenna Green and Kellyanna, we're going to be with Green Sleeves, and we'll be back with more on, I hope I'm going to be talking about fashion and more about festivals when we get back.
Pagans Tonight Radio, and we're discussing all about the festival tonight, and we got some extra special guests coming out in, in our third hour. As you heard in the first hour, we had uh, Belladonna Laveau, which is that Pagan Unity Festival, and is traveling all over the country and her world tour, her world love tour, so you can always check that out. 
And we were talking with Don and Lori, uh, Reverend Don Lewis and everything else about the festivals they're doing this season. And a lot about kind of the idea of community in our own online festival we're doing later this year, actually Summit with the Global Worker Summit. And now I'm back with um, author and of the three – I'm going to get this right. As you know, um, long days of the worm farm, but um, let me get this right. It's the Three Gates Festival, right? That's correct. Three Gates Gathering. Terrific. And – I got that right. So, so okay. So, Three Gates Festival, Dom's going to be there. I'm hearing great things. This has, like, gotten to be on the radar this year. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, Three Gates Gathering has been going on now. It is in its 10th year. It started in Tonganoxie, Kansas, and is now in West Plains, Missouri, What's really interesting about Three Gates that makes it a little different is that it's actually a weekend mystery school. We have three tracks, three particular topics, and we bring in speakers, and they do three in-depth workshops in that particular track. This year, we've got uh, Reverend Don Lewis doing intuition and divination, and he's going to do three workshops so that he can really dive into that. Don Davis is doing a tradition versus traditionalist. And Gina Lamonte, who most people know as Nine Toes the Bard and is actually quite the accomplished catalyst, is doing something called the Magic Cube. So it's a really interesting opportunity to dive into topics that interest you and to actually get a full-blown or as much as you can in three hours anyway, a really solid base on those particular topics. Oh, it sounds like almost like, uh, I, love, I love that sort of idea that it's a mystery tour, almost like an ecstatic experience in and of itself. Yes, um, indeed. So now you're out at Pagan Unity Festival today too. Uh, so that's another festival. How's that going? Pagan Unity Festival is going great. I'm actually sharing a cabin with Belladonna Laveau, and it's kind of funny right. that, uh, I, yeah, and um, I'm actually sitting in the pavilion uh, at Pagan Unity Festival right now. I mean, you were saying that, you know, this is about community, and really all of these festivals are about community for us to be able to pull together regardless of what our paths are and to be able to share in each other's energy and share in the information that we all have to share with each other. I think if I had to redo my pagan experience in life, I mean, when I get a chance to continue it, because I've made my commitment for the next 25 years, and people are going to hear about that when I do Heartland. And, um, and people don't know it, but I'm actually going to be at Three Gates Festival too as a guest. Just like Don's coming to Heartland is my guest, Don is right, taking me to Three Gates. Uh, so I'm looking very forward to this event. And we're looking uh, forward to having both you and Don. Yes, and so we're, so Don and I are kind of we're, we're learning to be uh, um, we're learning to be supportive. It's very it's very interesting to be supportive of uh, a road trip is supportive because we've discovered we both can't do festivals at the same time. We cannot both do the, the, the experience at the same time. One of us has to be like, okay, we're going to take care of the other person while the other person does the working. Because we get, it gets pretty intense at times. It um, sure does. Cause you, it sure does. 
So, uh, of course, people can sign up for it. How do people sign up for three for this festival? Is there still space to get in there? There is still there still is space, and if you go to threegatesgathering.com, uh, the registration is right there, and you can choose your track, and you can register today. And because of being on this radio show, um, I have a special discount. Um, that is actually available to your listeners if at checkout they use WF member, then what will happen is that they will get $35 off their whatever their admission fee is. That's terrific. And this is right after, for those people in the St. Louis area and, and kind of the central Illinois area and uh, a lot of places, I think this is going to be a great thing. I think people can come all over for it. I think it's going to be a really great thing. So, I have also I have some more guests that I we're talking really a lot of festival. I have my I hopefully have some really good friends. I think I see them on there that that have come on are going to come on and talk about fashions a little bit about uh, the festival. So we're going to take it a little bit turn there. But I want to get into one more question. I want to get one more solid question for, into you because I have yet to meet you. I, or if we've met, I I I have having a hard time because this is a, interesting. And so many things in, we talk about in the pagan working world get hidden. What do you want people to really, because I think now uh, this year, and I think last year I saw a little bit more of it, and I saw a little bit the year before, but each year I've been hearing more and more of a throb about this because it's coming right out of the heels of the St. Louis Pagan Picnic. And this year I hear a lot of noise about the uh, about Three Gates uh, Gathering. What is it that people should know about this thing? If they're going to come to this, what is it that is going to help Convince, not convince them, because I kind of say that this is their feeling of coming home, because I have no doubt when people come to your festival that it's the feeling of coming home. Yeah, I bet you hear that a lot. Well, this is like coming home. I, I do right. hear that a lot. Which, yes, absolutely. People say that when they come out on our land at White Raven Metaphysical Church that they feel like they're coming home because it's a welcoming, open gender-neutral facility, um, and we have a fantastic staff, and we have fantastic guests. I think that that would be the one thing that I want everyone to know is that you really are coming home, and it's not that where you are isn't home. It's not that other festivals aren't home, uh, but there is a special magic when people from so many different traditions come together to share that it's a very it's a very unique feeling and I really mm-hmm. um, encourage everyone to come out to create gathering naturally and absolutely so I'm um, so yeah absolutely so I want to get you back on the air um, a little bit earlier and a little bit after the, you know after this because I think before the festival because I want to explore a little bit more about this uh, so we, but you don't have much time, or even at the festival, we'll see what happens. But we, we gotta get you more into talking about this, because if I understand this right, that what you're doing is really very innovative, in my opinion. That you're doing a single mystery, kind of really focusing a festival down to a single mystery, a mystery set, and that you're really giving them a lot of value through giving them an intense experience, a static experience, along very reinforced lines with some of the very best teachers you can get. Absolutely. So you're doing this That's exactly what it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
It's exactly. And the thing is, is that the other thing you can say, Ed, is that every year what we do is that we drop one track and add another one so that people can come back year after year. And every three years, they effectively cycle through three completely different topics. And by the time the fourth year rolls around, they're brand new topics. And this is so that it's a continuously growing mystery school. It's almost like uh, those old uh, lunches or dinners that people in the 50s used to do, the progressives. It's kind of progressive. There you go. We can call it the Progressive Festival. We'll have to start using that. So where can people find you? And uh, so three gates. So where can people sign up and get a hold of you and want to hear more about this festival? Okay. Well, you go can go to threegatesgathering.com. Uh, you can either use the contact form or register right on the spot. And or you could just, if you want more information that is not on the website, feel free to email me at Alfred at threegatesgathering.com. It's Alfred, author. I apologize for that. Um, no worries. People call me all kinds of things, Ed, and I'm good with it. I answer to most anything. I, I understand that. I, I, I really do, and I, I respect that. Um, well, terrific. Um, I really appreciate you being on. Like I said, we've got to get you on for more, more of an intense thing. I want to be a little bit more prepared because I have a lot of questions. So we're going to hear more from Alfred Beck on 3 Gates Festival. I want to find out more what he's doing. So check it out. I guarantee we'll be for that. Thank you for being on with me. And uh, say thank you to everybody at Pagan Unity Festival. I know so many tweets there. The Tree of Life people are out there. You know, Rachel and all of them. Come on. And so uh, the love is out there uh, for, for uh, that. Um, any last thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Absolutely. And if you're out here at Puff, come up to me and say hi. That, then I can put faces to, the, faces to the names and faces to the listening. And thank you, Ed, for taking your, this time to... Uh, Absolutely, and I appreciate it. So... We're going to take a quick minute break. We're going to be back with even more about festivals. We're really excited that, and I expect to see you all at Three Gates Festival. Um, we're going to be back and talking about Heartland. We're going to be talking about also. We're going to be talking about festival clothing because what after all of this talk, what are we going to address? But we're going to take a quick break with Kellyanne and Wendy Roll early one morning.
One Morning by Kellyanna and Wendy Rule. And you can always get any of their music um, throughout the uh, web and that sort of thing. Uh, I think our, our station manager, Pam Kelly, is more than happy to help you find the pagan music that you want. And we need to do more about pagan music here in the future. Um, but if you do want to talk about pagan music, there's the festivals. We've always talked about the festivals. What's festivals without fashion? And I have some really good friends. Let me inter- let them introduce themselves right here on the air because these, these are, you know, if you want to know about fashion, these, I think these are some of the best people to know. Are you there, Ray? Yeah, I'm here, Ed. Pretty good. Um, I am. I am so, your only. Uh, I am your only guest tonight. Oh, but uh, I will. From, from I can talk yeah, for. We'll be, we'll be bringing on Liz Hamilton as well here shortly. Uh, Liz and Famous, um, a young millennial uh, out there. But I've been seeing your pay, web page, or your Facebook page, and things like that. And you guys have really like. Uh, so, so I've got Caesar Heartland, which I'm returning to next weekend, which I'm really excited. Oh, we um, are. Oh yeah, uh, that, that actually feels really good. I'm I, I actually very thrilled by that. Uh, surprisingly, I, I'm, I'm surprised. It was it's one of the big surprises of the year for me. Um, I'm not doing a lot of festivals. I've been really working hard, but a lot of what I do today is because of that. But you're doing, um, yeah. you're doing a shop. You have like lots of stuff that you're doing. Um, and I think that uh, well, well, it is. It's, so it's a company that started at festivals. Well, that's our roots. Right. I mean, we're just so excited that we've moved into walls that don't move with the wind. <laughs> okay, I guess that's the important point. So, so, so it's all roads. Well, import, it started right? out. It's all roads imports. You know, all roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to festivals. Um, it's Neil Goodman. Greg Meister and myself, Rain Dove, we met at festival, literally up at Camp Gaia, and we have this experience of three different types of merchanting coming into this much festival experience. Neil is the most experienced, and then um, Greg and I are close at about 15 and 20 years uh, of doing this, and obviously we love it. So... We bring this because we like the festivals. We love the people. These are our people. This is where we can see eye to eye and really, really reach the people that we want to reach. And we understand as merchants how much fun it is to go shop. I mean, who who thinks of anything but um, the exciting clothes, maybe a new doodad, you know, a little piece of jewelry, a crystal, all of these little mementos, they get empowered by us as we go through the festival, and then we take that home. And then we have that little memory. And for those that work in the mundania, if they have something from the festival that will pass for their office environment, they wear that as a little bit of a, hey, I'm bringing some of my sunshine indoors. So as mm-hmm. merchants, we understand that that is like such a big part of the festival experience. So we listen, and every year we're trying to bring something new and different and exciting. Um, so that's what the Facebook page is about. That's you know always broadcasting the new and the different and exciting to our peeps. 
That is one of the best explanations of, of merchandising at, at a festival I've heard. I really think that's a, a, a profound insight. And I actually consider you and Neil and all of the Heartland uh, merchants that I've met, and, and, and Neil on the road, too, and, and being on the road, mm-hmm. too, is one of the best merchants I've ever seen. I will absolutely oh my think gosh, they add a yeah. lot of value to festivals. And I was explaining earlier, so when we're talking about the idea of the festival as a temporary consensual village, that mm-hmm. the idea of abundance is that the idea of merchandising or being the merchants, and so that every festival seems to have them, is this old idea of basically sharing the wares. And people say, well, the only place you could buy this stuff was at festivals for a long time. Yeah. Do you find that still to be true? Or now with the store, does that change? It does, and yet it doesn't. Uh, there are things that mm-hmm. sell equally in both places, but there are, again, some people that wouldn't come anywhere near my store because they live so far away. And the only chance mm-hmm. they get is that one time a year when they come in and they're at festivals. So I, I, I don't leave anything anywhere. Everybody's going to have exposure to these things. And if so, you look back what? at at merchanting in itself going even in medieval times, it was always bringing something new and something exotic from faraway lands. And that's what we're doing as importers. We're bringing the exotic, something different, something you're just not going to find at Target, please. That's absolutely fascinating. And also, I think, so one of the things I, I came to realize about festivals, because uh, Ranger is very much involved with uh, when I, the, the intense period of time that I spent at festivals to try to really understand them, and uh, which kind of kindled my desire to have land, which can kindle my desire to do what I'm doing, and I'm hoping at Heartland that it all comes to kind of a full full circle uh, with some of the workshops I'm doing. But the workshops are like, okay, if you're coming out to see me in the workshops, okay, that's great. But I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to come out and see all the people there because I think this is really true and authentic people are. And I've said this over and over again. Um, if you really, if you only do one festival every year, Heartland is my favorite to do. Um, this year I'm actually dragging my friends along with me. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm bringing Don, I'm bringing Liz, I'm bringing my friend Lisa. Um and so, but one of the things I think is profoundly different about your merchandising is you spend multiple hours with people in a very, mm-hmm. in somewhat a casual to formal way. I mean, it's not like you just people come up and look at it and buy and just go. It's not like like a city festival, city urban festival. You come out there and you've got hundreds of thousands, you got thousands of people. They're coming in. You try to sell them as quick as you can, get out and in and out. You're literally spending hours with people, more or less. Oh. They are. They we look upon them as guests honoring us with their presence. Mm-hmm. We 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 can't. We really again as traveling merchants, hospitality rules. Without it, you know, our lives would be insignificant. And so we try to be gracious mm-hmm. hosts at all festivals. We. Without our customers, why would we be there? So, of course, and we want to hear the stories, and they want to hear the stories. It's, we're still carrying on this, this same tradition that merchants did in, in, the, in the beginning of merchanting. 
I'm just finding this 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 a fascinating subject because I'm becoming convinced more and more that I've been a merchant many more past lives than I care to admit. So, <laughs> or you know, I think one of the profound things I think that I as I've, I've realized is that people I, I have no doubt that it could very well be true because we've been trading for a very long time, and mm-hmm. I think that I think one of the reasons I was so glad that you came on is that so is that one of the insights that you and Greg and Neil gave me on the road, especially between Heartland and being on the road about the merchandising was how essential your support is to the festival goers, but also to the festival people. Um, Neil, I saw I had first aid kits available. I mean, that was really surprising. I hadn't seen that before. Right. Um, Neil had answers to like very simple questions that a lot of novice campers had that came by. I actually saw him grab something out and says, hey, you need to get a drink of water. You should get some water right now. And the kid came to him and he just had him water. So sit. And he gave him about a two or three minute warning with him and his friends that you guys really need to drink water. Beer is not enough. Um, and, he, and, and they drank and then he, they went off. And uh, later on, they came by and bought sandals, I believe. He had some of those really incredible sandals you guys got uh, yeah. that he had. And um, – <laughs> I saw that. So, so this is that idea of the merchant as caregiver is another set of eyes taking care of the festival goers. Because a lot of and them are not. And that is exactly the truth. We have always, merchants like Neil and Greg and I, we have always made a big point of this is a safe space. If you find yourself in a spiritual you know, event that you're not in control of and you're around strangers or something, come to us. We are a safe space. We are experienced with things like this. We understand you've got heat stroke. Sit down. We know what to do. We can call the first bit. We are there. We're your experienced people. Again, these are our people. These are our friends, our family. And we bring the experience. The new people, they all are going to do something to hurt themselves. And we just either try to help them prevent it or heal themselves up really quickly and enjoy the festival. Kind of a been there, done that attitude as well. I can understand that. I mean, I I, I, I get that a little bit, that attitude too. I mean, it's so pe- so people, I think one of the things I think I'm looking forward to and um, is I'm bringing some novice and in a few minutes here, I'm going to bring on uh, my friend Liz Hamilton to join us. Uh, everybody has to know Liz Hamilton, pagan hostess, millennial, the millennial with the mostest out there. Um, and she's going to come to Heartland for the first time. It's actually one of her very first pagan festivals. She's gone to a Beltane festival. It's going to be one of her very first festivals. And uh, so it's going to be very interesting to bring that because she's lived it through very visceral lives of other people describing them and through the Internet. And she's done a lot of radio shows with people on festivals. So but she gets to actually experience it. This is an actual experience for her. Um. So one of the things I think that was important for me, so a lot of people go back to some of the best blog posts I ever wrote were about Heartland and about that year of festivals. And one of the things I think that came out of that, and I think that's really important to understand it, is that what changed the experience for me going to multiple festivals was, in the end, the merchants and all the people the merchants introduced me to. Um they were very anxious and very excited and very much once we got talking to introduce me to people in all these different communities. 
to answer some of the, my basic questions because if I do anything and you and Greg and you and Neil and even more so in Heartland, it, the thing I do is ask a lot of questions. You guys are always willing to answer my questions. Um, and in this, I think that was very important. So in this process of being a merchant, and everybody thinks of it as, as this idea of expanding and growing, what is it that keeps you doing it? Because it's obviously I know people say, oh, you make a living at it. Well, no. Trust me, it's, it's, you can make a living at it, but it's really tough. It, there's easier ways to make a living sometimes, I think, than merchandising. Um, probably. Answer that, <laughs> probably, right? I've done it. I, I know. I actually have experienced merchandising. Right. You guys ever know I've done it. I have a lot of hats off to it. But I think one of the things I think that's important is that I think that that the merchants also in the festival scene is the butterfly, the bee that impregnates one idea from another area. What works at Heartland now is taken to PSG. What's taken to PSG goes out to Blue Mountain. Blue Mountain, what goes out to, goes out to Peg Unity Festival. And I think the merchants represent another communication system. I think people, a cultural communication system that people don't recognize. And I think the way they behave helps the festivals because they create these cultures that follow them around. Because you have a very distinct culture that follows your shop. I mean, you have a culture following that goes to merchant shops with you. We have the most fantastic customers. They are mm-hmm. clever. They are thoughtful. They are seeking. They are open-minded. They're daring. They're all of the above. It's a. Del- it's. It's. I tell you, it is. It's. It's an amazing runway of wonderful faces every day through that store. We're just so blessed. I know that's a, that's a, that's almost cliche, but it's really starting to make sense now. And as as far as festivals, I have done this. I have stood there and I have seen this, and my heart has told me that this is why I personally do this at festivals. During the day, okay, it might be 95 and a humidity equal and everybody's dying, but that one girl who is wanting that one special thing that she wants to wear because she's here on her first festival with her new husband and she just wants to be pretty for him. And I get to put her in this pretty little dress. I don't care what size she is. She deserves to wear a pretty little dress. And then that evening, I see her dancing around the fire in that beautiful dress and her husband looking at her with nothing but love in his eyes. That's it. That's why I do this. That's the reason. You know, we are told in so many ways what to wear, why to wear, how to wear it, and we're so uptight. And all we want to do is walk out with our head held up high and find somebody looking at us with approval. And if I can mm-hmm. help that, I'm all good. You know, that's it. So I think that's the bottom line Absolutely. right there. What else is wow. life about but to love and be loved? Agreed. And that's the, that is the joy that we get in the store. When, when we see someone walk out, going, I look good. And everybody in the story goes, you do look good. That's what we call celebrating. 
And it is, absolutely. So let's see if Liz is there. Let me push the button, Liz. There we go. Come on. Are you there, Liz? I am. Hello. How are you? And you were with Rainda? Hello. Rose Import. And, um, awesome. That and, is. Uh, so, Pleasure to meet you. So Liz, so, so, so I'm bringing Liz on because so Liz has no, let's for all practical purposes, has no festival, festival dress. She actually, she was talking about overpassing, you know, about how she was going to get there, what she needed to bring with her to Heartland. Um, and what should she be thinking about wearing? I mean, she can buy clothing there, and, and, and I know that sort of thing. But what are people, uh, so Liz, somebody like Liz, would be wearing these for the season this year? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, Liz, <laughs> why don't you describe yourself a little bit? Why don't you tell people so that people know? Okay, so, like, as far as clothing, I am very eclectic. Um, I like big circle skirts. I like jeans. I like sandals. And I like T-shirts, comfortable clothing. If it's not comfortable, I'm probably not going to be wearing it for very long. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my elevator, who am I, clothing-wise, speech. Oh, well, girlfriend, you've come to the right, to the right news. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Are you know like the uh, like the seas of diamonds, the carrot cut color? We are about comfort, color, cute. And did I mention comfort? That is. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. If you were to go into my store and to shop for a festival, you would be first of all overwhelmed with the color, and that is the whole part of the joy is to see all of that color because it makes you happy. Right. right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And there's no rules. You can mix and match. We don't care. And we've got people you know, wearing, you're... you know, whatever. Ed? Huh. I just realized something. You're right about your being more colorful. I absolutely remember your shop being more colorful than most. That yeah, was very interesting. We're all a very interesting it. insight for me. Well, you got to remember that, as everybody knows, I'm double color blind, so it's, it's something that I don't really pay attention to. And that's hard to miss in our right. shop. A lot of color, huh? <laughs> it uh, is hard to miss. <laughs> it is hard to miss. Um, well, I mean, I mean, in a world where you're double color blind, I guess you know it's one of those things that you just don't really think about because you can't see any of it. Yes. Which, by the way, that really is. As a person who can see color, you know, if my life were, like, more muted or whatever, that would just be devastating to me anyways. Well, we all live with our – the whole thing is the whole people who live with their strengths and True. with their weaknesses. And one of the things I think that I love about – one of the things I think about the clothing at All Imports, uh, All Roads Imports, and Rain has shown me, is, is that there's a lot of people who come in who don't see at our festivals. And they feel the texture of the cloth. They feel the texture of the clothing. Mm. They can feel the objects. And I've seen that as well. And, and Rain, that's true, right? Because you have a number of people who have been, like, visually impaired or in other ways impaired that they're able mm-hmm. to still interact with what your product is because it, has, because it has more than just a visual aspect to it. It's not homogenized like our mall clothes. You know, if mm-hmm. you look at the mall, everything looks and feels the same because it's all some kind of artificial 
fabric. Our fabrics are natural. Um, they're silks. The rayons, they have a plant base. The cottons, they're different weaves. Some of them are rough. Some of them have a texture, a nap. Um, you know, there's some seersucker. You know, everything is, is um, it's all about the fabric. That come, most of our stuff comes from the exotic countries, uh, India, Thailand, where these, the colors dominate. So that's, that's so why awesome. I think that festivals are, 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 we bring the colorful because we're bringing the exotic, something that you just will not see anywhere else. So it is interesting because I, I've equated uh, Heartland to being one of the most not—I uh, hate to use the word psychedelic, but mind manifesting. It is the, one of the most colorful festivals I've been to. It is as a whole that mm-hmm. it's, it's breathtakingly beautiful. There is a sense of awe there that there is, I don't find elsewhere. I've just—I'm people have been asking me why, I guess I've gotten asked why this place is, why would I, you know, why, why this place? And I think this I add to the merchants there was one of the first places I really got to understand how valuable it was, the festivals. Because if people don't understand, before I got into to the, the period of time where, where I went to festivals and really changed my attitude towards it, I was an urbanite. Like, festivals were, like, stupid. I spent my first 18 years of pagan life really thinking 18, 20 years of my life that festivals were like stupid. Why would anyone want to do it? And PSG, and I went to a lot of these festivals, and, but Heartland is the one that really kind of got me aware of what the value of it is. And it's been kind of, as people know, it's one of my model, models of what I think is a, is a healthy, what a healthy community looks like. And I've always said that. And then everybody says, well, why is it taking you so long to get back there? And it's the idea of, and it was very inspirational there that I just went on to have to actually do a job. I went to do my worm business. And uh, Raiden was actually one of the first people I actually mentioned this to. It was like, so let's, let me go ahead and say that. People don't realize that Raiden and Greg and Neil and a few others were the first people I actually ever heard me say I would go into the worm business, which, he, as everybody knows, is like becoming a really has become well-known, popular. Um, but it started out just like an inspired idea of like, okay, what do I really want to do? And I think it's from part of it is the relaxed camp that you guys created, not as just merchants, but as you working with supporters and the way that the camp was built and things of that nature was really well done. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to going there. Huh? That's really awesome. Uh, so, one of the other things I think that I think that Rain that you talk about a lot about people. So this is one thing lasting. So this is something that's Liz's issue. Okay. Is okay. that is safe space? One of the first times I heard about yes. safe space and festivals was in your tent. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And it was especially for the young <laughs> ladies, it was very important for the young ladies. It was not so much young men. I didn't say it so much for them, but. And it was for everyone. I mean, it wasn't not discriminatory, but I found people who found more counsel was, was oftentimes the younger ladies, especially, you know, especially after sometimes really difficult nights of, you know, kind of these passages, you know, that you go through when you're just kind of having a really a free life, all your choices are your own, consequences are your own. You're kind of doing things, and now you have to be accountable. And, and you really help people be accountable 
with excellence. The only way I phrase it was happiness, with joy. Like, okay, let's, you know, how are we going to handle that? Because I think people get overwhelmed emotionally. And uh, you really talk about safe space. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Absolutely. I would love to. My, one of my favorite soapboxes. So we go to these festival environments. Liz is too. <laughs> okay. When we go to these festival environments, um, especially if it's our first festival, the newness and the freedom, so many of us come to these festivals because we feel so constricted in our daily lives that we need to go somewhere where we can just relax and take the mask off and, and be who we are, be the pagan whoever that we really relax into and and say things like, oh, in a past life I was this, and nobody's going to look at you funny. So the first time you go to one of these places, it's a heady energy experience. Then there is the energy that is working. There is the, en- the residual energy where a festival has been building from the beginning, which the merchants and the festival builders start. We start taking on um, the, uh, the stewardship of the land as we build and the, we bring the magic up. So if you're not prepared for that, you can get a little crazy. Throw in a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of heat, and probably not enough to eat, and you can find yourself in a little bit of a dizzy place, either emotionally, um, physically, or perhaps just energetically, you could find yourself lost right there, standing in the middle of everybody that you know. You could suddenly find yourself lost. If you're not comfortable where you are standing, if you find one of us, you go to one of the merchants and you say, I just need help or give us, you will be there. You'll be safe. We'll, we know how to get hold of first aid. Like I said, we're the ones with the experience. We've if we haven't done it, we've seen somebody else go through what you're going through. And it shouldn't be like being out in a public space where you have to be all on, on guard all the time. But, you know, at festivals, it's a community, and we care about you. We don't want to see you melt down. We don't want that to happen to you. This is a place to be happy and to have fun. But if it gets a little bit too high, too too energetic, you know, it's like a some of us when we get around the energy, it's like children that eat sugar. We just can't stop sometimes. Here's a place for you to sit down, chill. We'll give you a bottle of water. We'll let you know. And we have sunblock. Sunblock is your friend. I have learned this yeah. many, many times. <laughs> Yeah, so, Liz, the, uh, I'm gonna give you. The, do you have any uh, questions? Uh, final questions for Ray, uh, and, and all you know, and what they do as, out there. As, as I know you've been part of listening to out there. Um, well, um, I don't know that I have any questions per se. Um, I just wanted to say that I totally relate with being the ch- the child on sugar like sugar cubes, you know, you just feed them like a bag mm-hmm. of sugar cubes and say, okay, go play outside now. And then they come back, yeah. you know, 12 hours later and they're still going strong. It's like, uh, yes. 
it's, it's a lot of fun. I love <laughs> high energy environments. Yeah, and and they're wonderful as long as you can stay in control. But if you lose that, if right. you slip and you lose your, you, it's easy to get you back in balance. Don't panic. You come to us. It's fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then there's so always you know, if you're and then there's always if you're like a extrovert introvert type of person like you know you're extroverted when you're around your friends and then when things mm-hmm. get overwhelming you just need a space to hide you can go to your tent or like like a, a quiet space like that's not being used for whatever or something there's lots of little places that I've seen in the in the in the few couple of festivals that I've gone to there's always a spot for just hanging out and chilling away from the oh yeah hubbub. oh yeah there's a lot of chill involved in festivals and and seriously one of the reasons that i i really believe that we still do this is because we call them our workations because for oh, one nice. in our frantic lives we actually get to sit down mm-hmm. all day and so you know it is worth it <laughs> that's really awesome It'll be interesting because it's yeah because I've been it's um, because it's been for me organizing my thoughts and you know as everybody knows I've been beaten on to write a book cyber ministry uh, because um, so for so many reasons and I know I know I'm, I, if you are a ghostwriter who is interested in and been ghostwriting with me please give me a call you know my number look me up. Um, yeah, I feel like it's become my nemesis is, uh, is the idea of writing a book. Um, but so Harlem has been a great place. I'm doing like a lot of the stuff that I've been working on the last couple of years because everybody knows I kind of fell out of the world and, and been doing my worm business. And it's, as you know, I've got a couple of farms under my belt now. It's really kind of like kind of an interesting mainstream way of looking at the world and being very pagan. And I was very excited that, that Harland asked me to do this. I was, it came out of the blue. I really didn't expect it. I mean, I had a couple other things asked, but this is like, yeah, no, of course I would do this event. So I'm really glad to be going back there. And one of the things I'm most looking forward to going back and, and, and seeing is for well, all of the merchants, and not especially you guys, but there's also this idea that you guys are doing. And I think this is the last piece I wanted to follow you is that there's a rites of passage in, at festivals. At some festivals, there's a rites of passage. <laughs> and at Hartman, yeah, there is a very strong sense of not pat, rites of passage. It's not hazing. This is not what I'm talking about. But, like, you can know when you've gone there a couple of times or people who have gone there always want to help the other people who haven't gone yet or who are doing it. There's this sort of, hot, this sort of uh, rites of passage you go through there that's very unique to the property. And I think you guys – do that very well. Can you speak to that? I mean, I know you're involved oh. with that to a certain degree. Well, it's pay it forward. Again, mm-hmm. if if you're not if you're not an experienced camper, um, and you go up there for the first time, you're going to be having you're in neon, really. To those of us that have been at this for a while, and <laughs> if you you know if you've obviously borrowed the tent and there's no instructions. We'll point and laugh for a little while to get you the point, but then we'll come and help you. And you know, if and if there's anything that's over your head, you know, everybody probably can use an extra hand all the time. 
once you, you know, get your feet under you, it is your rite of passage. We'll point left, but we'll help you out. We'll give you advice. You know, we still, we're all in it to have a great festival. I think people forget that. I think people really honestly forget that we're all in it to have a great festival. I think that's a great point. I think people forget that. I actually have not heard anyone else say that tonight. Well, our mundane lives just just need to be shed at the gate and accept that this is a fantasy world where we choose the rules of good conduct, of polite society. We choose how we want to dress. We choose how we want to believe. And we choose to respect each other and their right to those things. And we want to encourage this respect to grow. And so we want these new people to come to these festivals and take this experience back. And, you know, merchants should shift around so that each festival is different and new ones need to come in. It, it's, it, it would be suicide for us to not help each other. It would be, it would be Im- impossible to think of, you know, a situation where, you're just going to sit and let the person fail. Again, we do get our enjoyment of pointing and laughing. It is our trademark, but we still get up and help. Um, Absolutely. I can't tell you the number of times that my merchandise has been saved by who knows whoever was passing by when the wind just took one side of my tent and the gale force uh, storm was tearing down my clothes. I, I just can't count that. And it's not a case of keeping track. You just do it because it needs to be done. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's what should be common sense and common courtesy, but to be unusual these days. That is, that is unfortunate, uh, isn't, isn't it? <laughs> well, we're bringing it back at our festival. That's right. Yeah. We, we, we put, we put the fun in festival and it's fun for everybody. If everybody's having fun. Absolutely. And, really, and so you can see it's really all Rose Report at Heartland Festival. How can people find you? How people can go see you? And if you're on a road trip, where can they, you know, tell us everywhere where we can get a hold. How do we, how do we come and see what is this magnificent thing that you've done? Um, well, if you're in uh, Westport, uh, we are at uh, 1004 Westport Road, which is right next to Half Price Books, if if you are like any pagan, you know where half price <laughs> is in Westport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and at the festival, at Heartland Festival, if you enter Merchant Circle, uh, you go straight back is the large tent. Halfway down on the left is going to be Neil's tent. So um, Neil has had traditionally had his setup right there. So um, that's his uh his section, and we put another tent at the other end. Really, you can you can find us within walking distance of of wherever on merchants. The merchants Absolutely. are at the top of the hill, as you remember. So you, uh, you you climb the hill or you climb the stairs, and we're right there. 
I'm six. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm about 55, uh, 55 to 60 pounds lighter than I was the last time I was there. So, so oh, yeah. we all are, aren't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's much easier without that small child on your back. Uh, uh, um, so, yeah, for people who want transformative experiences, uh, the Sea Festival. And thank you so much for being on with me to this evening. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was so nice to hear your voice, Ed. I'm looking forward to seeing you. It's been you too soon. long. I mean, we should have been doing this a lot sooner, but uh, we will get together next week. And uh, I thank you for being on with me tonight. All right. Thank you, Ed. I'll see you soon. Six days see you. to Heartland. See you soon. There you go. Yes. I'll, be lo- I'll love to meet you. Yay, definitely. I can't wait to meet you also. Sweet. Till then. So you've been listening to Peggy's Night Radio tonight where we've been covering the festival scene. And we've gone through, this is our marathon session. We actually do the uh, real honest-to-gosh marathon. This started with Belladonna Laveau and, and, and Dusty at the Pagan Unity Festival. And we, and we talked with that. In the second hour, we talked with Lori and Don some more about the Global Wicca Summit, and we talked about how festivals that we're doing and all the different festival seasons. Third hour, we got to talk to Alfred of Three Gateway Festival, and we found out about him, and he's also at that Pagan Unity Festival. And then we had a great friend of mine, uh, Randall, came on, and we talked about kind of the import, the merchant culture of the festivals. And now we come to, to the finals, like, 10 minutes, and, and I'm with Liz. And just, what what a whirlwind night of a show! I can't actually believe it. Just it. Real goes three hour show. so fast. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so so, wow! We're really hitting the festival season this really hard. This was really a super festival special. It was just really really amazing. Um. And uh, yeah, yeah so. So let's really quick talk about you a little bit. Let's go ahead and get you in here because one of the reasons why you're going out into the festival world is what's your famous agency, right? You're, you're wanting to learn more about pagans, right? Wiccans and all yes, that. Yes, indeed. I am of Wiccan Famous Agency, and this is a one-of-a-kind business that I actually started with you, Ed. You are my partner yes. in this in this venture, so this is like a total plug for us two here right now, right? And um, yes, absolutely. So my um, the the whole thing about Witch and Famous is helping people learn to help themselves. It's like a um, it's like a almost a symbiotic relationship. You know, you come to me, I go out to the people and say, hey, you know, we have this great person over here. You know, oh, you need a psychic at your at your next, you know, uh, insert event type here. You know, are you having like a hen party or um, are you having a tarot festival or something, you know, a psychic fair or you need, you know, various skills. I've got, what, eight people now? Great talent. Mm-hmm. Many, 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 many years of combined experience. And we want to make these people famous. We want to make them famous to help make you famous to help make us famous. And so it's basically 
ground rooted in in the idea of radical empathy and absolute honesty and respect and the need for a better, a wonderful relationship with money because money is simple energy. That's all it is. Money is a representation of energy, plain and simple. And um, and actually developing a class on that. Uh, and somebody, a mutual friend of ours, um, JJ, he was like, well, why didn't you make it for this, for your first festival? And I'm like, well, it's not. I think that would have been a little overwhelming for me, you know, first, first festival, you know, in what, three years or so, uh, second festival overall. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing a class, you know, but, but there's, there's plenty of time. I'll be, I'll be to many festivals before I pass from this world. Knocking on wood. <laughs> and that's it, isn't it? An so, important yeah. part of all of what we're trying to do out there is that you're trying to live a kind of new life. You're, you, like Absolutely. everybody else, trying to apply these principles that, uh, that Rain just talked about. She loves being a merchant. She's chosen that life. Uh, Alfred uh, talked about the mystery ch- school that he wanted. Belladonna was about carrying this sort of message. Um, Absolutely. You know, I got something to go the opening of the parliament last night. Yes, yes, and you hit it from all of us. It was such a surprise. That was hilarious. Was uh, it a surprise? It was, it was. I was. I didn't even know that it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um. So for people who don't understand, the problem in the world of religion is a very important part of what we do. And they have an office in Chicago, and they had a reopening of new offices. Right. Um, And they have, like, a little museum and everything else. It's really kind of cool. But they're really trying to work on on their program, and they're trying to be more inclusive into the city. So I I went there. But I didn't tell anybody I was going because I missed so many things, and I worked so hard, and I missed so many things. I didn't want anyone to be in anticipation and then be disappointed if I didn't show up. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. Absolutely understandable. So yeah, like surprises you, better. Were, you were, you were talking about the, um, the whole, um, you know, transformation sort of thing. Um, for me, I am absolutely trying to basically shake my life up just enough to where I can start down this new road that I see in front of me and I'm kind of like traveling down it now, but I need to figure out how to not have to sidestep every day and go into the quote unquote real world. You know, I, I, I want this world that I'm walking down this path on to be my real world. It is my real world because I say it is. And as long as I keep saying that, if I say it enough, it'll come true. And if I keep putting enough energy and time toward it, then it'll come true. It'll become real. Um, if for nothing, if, if, if for no other reason, then I will it to be so, and that I'm working towards it every day, every single, just about every single day. And something also that I think is really important that so many people need to know is that it's okay to have to take a day just and nothing else because if you can't do it because you're so run down and you're so worn out that you are ready to sit in your kitchen and cry, 
because you don't have the the mental capacity to cook a simple meal or something something silly like that. The the that the that the uh, straw that broke the camel's back is like one nitpick from your partner away or whatever it is, then you can't walk anymore. That's not good because if you can't walk down the road that you see in front of you, what's the point? So take care of yourself. Take like 10 or 15 or 20 minutes a day. Read a book. Listen to a podcast. You know, do your – I know that most – I I hear that a lot of women have like these these morning rituals or nightly rituals or whatever where they go in the bathroom and they close the door and then they do all their things. And that's not me. But if you if you have one of those, keep doing it. It's a good thing, as long as as long as it doesn't stress you out too much. You know, de-stressing extremely important. I'm learning that more and more every day. Yeah, and yeah, it is interesting. We got about four minutes left of this marathon mm-hmm. show. We really did a three-hour show. Yay. I'm so proud of us. It probably is a half-hour super festival special. And next week, we will see if we're actually going to bring you live from Heartland, where we're going to actually try to do some live broadcasting. Um, so for me, in those last few minutes, I want to thank everybody who saw my Seven Steps to Reality TV Marketing 2.0. And, uh, yeah, I promise you by Monday, I'm going to have a LinkedIn. I'm, I'm really got, I got somebody who really asked ask me, says, what do I mean by rea- the theory of reality TV marketing? The fact that we live in a reality TV kind of reality TV show marketing system um, is fascinating. And uh, what's the famous built a little bit of, is built very much on this idea of platform that there is a certain amount of. So we have a saying, and it's part of our of of what I believe, but it's also in there where attention goes, magic flows. Absolutely. And we and we now hear more than anything else in the in the social media world. What is the most important singular thing? Attention, getting people's attention. So if where the attention goes, the magic flows. Social media is the most provocative tool of capturing mass attention that we've ever created. And isn't that something else? Right. I find it. I find it fascinating that the. Um, that the quote-unquote mundane world is just more and more every day becoming more magical. They're just using different terminology. Scientists are discovering things that... A lot of it, there's different different terminology, you know, like um, they, instead of... Peter Diamond is called auto-magical. Well, yes, yes. He is amazing, I'll give you that. Um, But he is one person in how many billions? You know, that's He's not your everyday guy, is he? He is well, one of those. Yes, yes, he is. He's thinkers. a guy with a lot of good thoughts. No, he's a billionaire. Yeah. He's trying to go capture planetary resources. Um, uh, Goodman just basically said that this week he says that uh, technology is magical. He says mm-hmm. what we what we think we can create. Absolutely. If we have the tools to make it. Absolutely. And so that's one of the big things. So I think gathering attention, I think that it is. 
I really think that in these last few minutes, I'm seeing more and more the sort of idea of commitments that we're heading towards the idea of uh, kind of making it. So, Liz, how can people contact you? The last 96, how can they contact you? My millennial priestess with the mostest. Which and famous agency at gmail.com or Elizabeth Hamilton HPS at gmail.com. Or go to witchandfamous.net and check out what you got there, right? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. We have lots of great products there for you guys to buy. Lots of great readings, lots of great books, unique books. You know, some of them are first printing, uh, first edition, first printing, first edition, second printing that kind of thing, collectibles. So if you have a bibliophile who needs a new book, check us out. Absolutely. And, and of course, you can always find me. I'm, I'm Ed the Pagan. You can find me everywhere. And I'm the Paladin of the Corellian Tradition. Just, uh, moving across the evening skies, and there's been another edition of the Corellian Family Hour. This has been, and I've been transmitting here. In the late part of the uh, later part of the uh, age of uh, the first age of, Ma- of America, and we're about to see the second age, great age, come past, and I hope that you will continue to join us. And uh, we're going to see you at Heartland. Blessed be everybody, and good night. Blessed be. See you soon. <laughs>